Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Oh, you've got to fade yourself out, yeah? Huh? Well, I can't reach out, so you've got to fade it. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. It's this one, yeah? Yep. Hello Egg Chasers and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Here we are in the rugby dungeon without Phil, who is where at the minute? He's backpacking with a one-year-old. He's backpacking his one-year-old and his wife around Bangkok or something. He's got a one-year-old in Bangkok. Something like that. Something like that. Phil's... He's literally, I think he's on a holiday with his one-year-old son and his wife and I think he's got five internal flights. It's doing a holiday that only Phil would do. Well, that is JB. How are you doing, JB? I'm very well, thanks, mate. How are you? It could see you back in like normal civvy clothes, like yes. shorts that are about thirty years old. Yes, exactly right. Excellent. But we do have a replacement for Phil. We have the the better half of the the Gloucester Rugby Club uh, podcast as well. Uh, the shed. What's it called? The po- podding shed. Mm-hmm. We've got the better half of that podcast. Mark Atkinson. Yeah, back to you. What, what a talent, Mark <laughs> Atkinson good. is. Also. Hello? Oh, God. Oh, no. He can't hear us at the minute, can he? We've no. Got, we've got, yeah, I it's, can. it's the other one. It's the other one, isn't it? Oh, Ed! Hi, Ed! Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Hi, Ed, guys. Ed, How you doing? Thanks Ed. for the nice intro. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> That's Ed Slater, everybody. Uh, star of Gloucester. Currently not playing, though. So, first one, where are you in your rehab, Ed? Um, getting there. I'm a few weeks off, um, but I obviously broke my foot uh, nine, ten weeks ago. So, I had some surgery. I'm just... Uh, yeah, working my way back to fitness as we speak. Ah, uh, how how do you break it during a game? I broke it in the warm up. Um, oh, what playing against my old club Leicester? A bit bit of a calamity of a day, really. But but basically, I'd I'd had had a bit of a bruise for nothing that you'd you'd um, be worried about, or so I thought. And then I I was warming up and running around and doing whatever I needed to do, and something kind of went in my foot. But didn't think a great deal of it, and then uh, cracked on with the game. Went went to chase a kickoff, and and then something really went in my foot. What? You know, like a like a an explosion in the foot. So um, I was kind of limping around for a minute or two, and my head had gone. I think I charged at the at the ten that was playing for Leicester on the day. Got yellow carded, and then uh, couldn't come back on the pitch and been out since. So now, now it was, was a bit of a nightmare of a day. Was that one of those things where you'd you'd played a bit? Because of the adrenaline and playing the game, you can sort of put, put, you know put it to one side. But then when you stop, you kind of realise it was a little bit more serious than you originally thought. I think, well, based based on on speaking to a surgeon, I think I probably had a bit of a stress fracture in that in that warm up, um, and then went to crack on with it. And and after after chasing the kickoff, mm-hmm. it it just completely snapped. So. Um, yeah, I think it's just the well, way things go sometimes. Well, as we're having foot-based anecdotes, do you remember the goalkeeper for Spain, Iker Casillas? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that he, that he missed a World Cup because he because he broke his foot? 
I know I don't know that. I didn't know that. But yes. go, go on. Iki Casillas broke his foot on the eve of the World Cup because he dropped a bottle of champagne on it. Oh well, that's <laughs> which is, that's a lot better which, than the old. Is, there was, I remember there was like a there was a Chelsea defender that. That, that basically ended his career by dropping a bottle of salad cream on his foot. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Although I've, that's not the most embarrassing injury I've had. Oh, mine, mine is obviously slick my hand open. And oh yeah, was it, a bagel? They were, they oh, yeah. Yes, well, we, we talked so about this. Probably add to one of them comedy lists. Yes, yeah. was that a frozen bagel? It was no, no. It was a bagel. It was a, just a normal bagel. It's almost as middle class as apparently one of the the most common. Uh, injuries at hospital is someone trying to cut an avocado through <laughs> no uh, uh shucking Thanks, oysters Tim. i was tr- i was trying to um stick to the nutritionist's advice <laughs> of having a bagel a healthy bagel in the morning with eggs so um that is embarrassing yeah no i, I went through it with a bread knife and came out the other side and oh um obviously cut my hand so yeah ringing ringing cockers was actually probably the worst thing about it i can only imagine um the cut was fine <laughs> actually speak to cockers on the phone was yeah was more embarrassing thing. was it more were you more nervous about calling him than you were uh freaked out by his response was i more nervous well as in, as in was he as bad as you imagined he was going to be when you called him up no i think he's still in, still in a bit of shock when i was explaining it to him because it was the morning of a game we were oh, going to play no. sale at welford road and I mean, this thing was—you could see right down to the bone. It had gone, gone right you, through. What, what and, were you cutting with, like a samurai sword? Well, it was—it was actually a brand new block of knife, stupidly. So I thought, oh, I'll get the bread knife out. You know, I've paid paid a bit of money for these. Good God! And uh, just nicked nicked the end of the the bagel to to cut it in half. And yeah, it was a bit sharper than my previous one. So oh. anyway, yeah. And then he obviously let slip to the press, which I was absolutely gutted about. It's not only that you guys uh, have in um, have in have in club chefs. Do we have in club chefs? No, it's, it's, it's no, no wonder. wonder. It's no wonder you do. Oh, right. They yeah, take yeah, as yeah, much of that be... food prep yeah, yeah. away from you as what possible. Are you near right. Yeah, we're... it does make me look stupid, but I'm not the worst. I, I tell you. We have got um, a lot to talk about. Obviously, the fifth round of the European Champions Cup, of, of which. Edster are still in the hunt for a, a knockout position. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but s- some news this week. Um, firstly, actually, and this is one I really w- want to ask you about. Um, Ellis Genge, both to the press and on a, on another podcast, made a lot of comments about uh, a loyalty or lack of, or whether there should be more or less from clubs uh, to players. Uh, what was your view on on that, Ed? Do, do you think? <laughs> What would you think? Do you, do you think? Do you think clubs are well, I, a, merc- a mercenary in the way that they treat players? Well, I jokingly messaged Ellis afterwards and said, "Why did you have to bring Johnny May into it?" But um, <laughs> I did. I did read and hear about about what he said, um, and he kind of said both points. And he said, "You know, the, the clubs don't need to show a great deal of loyalty, and the players don't need to show a great great deal of loyalty." So. Um, for me, my my opinion is that there are certain players that you'll get that that will want to be loyal, that will want to be one club men, um, and there are there are also a lot of players, particularly as money's coming into the game, more and more that will will move around to suit themselves. And I think as as that happens, you realise that clubs have been running businesses like that for a long time now. You know, they're loyal to the players they want to keep. Um, and they're not so loyal to the guys they want to get rid of, and it just depends on on where where on the spectrum in terms of how good you are or, or not. 
as to where, how you get treated, really. So I just think uh, people, players have become more aware now that the clubs are, are happy to let them go if they're of, of no use or they can't fit them into the cap or, or whatever and are probably using that to, re- to their advantage now. Yeah, I, I mean, I would just say on that, like, I think it's one of those cases now that if you want to be a one-club man, you certainly can do that. But you maybe have to reassess what your value is to, to that club and maybe... You know, if staying in a certain area is important to you, understand that you need to be paid ten percent less than maybe what you could get elsewhere, maybe even more. I, I think you can do well, it. Well, it's just one I'll of those. Be, you say that, things. but you, you, let's let's um, we won't delve too deep into the details. But let, let's take the my situation with Johnny. Yeah, you know, I wasn't ever really in my mind going to leave going to leave Leicester, um, but the proposal came up that Johnny wanted to leave. And as part of that, you know, I was I was going to go in the other direction. So in the end, you'd, it, it was for the best that, that I went. But you, you say, oh, you you got to reevaluate your value. And mm. sometimes if the club don't want to keep, they don't want to keep you. No. Or if they don't want a certain player, it doesn't matter how much of a, a pay cut you, you offer to stay there. They may not want you. So I'm not, not necessarily sure that rings true. And I would just kind of add that, you know, in, in any job, Ultimately, everybody has a value to an organisation. But when you leave, um, you, you don't keep the company car and the laptop. You, you hand them back. So yeah. w- when you do end a contract with a club by their choice or yours, th- th- there's no obligation for a club to keep you on in the hospitality, entertaining people or give you a job in the in the business department or a coach or whatever. It, 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 is, a, it is a business well, not, ultimately, isn't it? And they're not even that bigger organisations, truth be told. This is true. But one thing Ellis did bring up, which I kind of wanted to um, just make sure people knew about, is the work of the RPA. Because I I actually, and I've witnessed this, and obviously you at at Nottingham, you know, very very early in your career, you were packing down at second row alongside uh, my brother, who who was was a premiership player, not the note that you were, but, you know, he reached the premiership. No, he's a great player, Rousey. Yeah, he had a a good time of it. uh, But the RPA, I mean, this is is a guy that got no GCSEs whatsoever. All he ever did was rugby, and he's got a degree now, and loads of coaching badges, and the RPA is the reason why. So the work they do, I actually think, should be be flagged up. They certainly try. They they do a lot of effort. But I, I imagine that thinking about what, might be coming in a few years' time, Ed, is is something you're considering, particularly when you've had this time off off the field injured. Are you saying I'm an old bastard? Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah, I, I think about it regularly. And, and I wasn't just thinking about it now I'm injured. You know, I've been thinking about it for, for three or four years um, because, I, you know, people are always saying to me, it's never too early to start thinking about what you're going to do after rugby. Mm-hmm. Don't wait until the end is, is handed to you. So... Um, I, I did a master's up at Salford Uni, which was in a sporting directorship because I'm interested in sports management. I'm interested in staying in, in rugby. Um, and I'll try and do whatever I can over the next kind of three, four years to add to that, whether it's going and coaching at some local rugby clubs, just get a bit of experience, try out some ideas with, with those guys, um, try and do bits with the academy to, to get some experience there and and just try and shadow people where I can, so that we, when when the end does come, I'm I'm in a position where I've I've got a decent you know um, education behind me, but I've also got some practical experience as well. So that that's my plan. It, who knows if it it will go to plan? You need to be in the right place at the right time. But mm-hmm. um, I think you know for me, it's just about having confidence in myself and, and backing myself to to do a good job wherever I get the chance. For sure. 
Now, before we get into Champions Cup, Saracens are the gift that keep on giving. I mean, for one question: uh, Who will be the fir- who will be first? Jeremy Corbyn condemning Iranian dictators, or Stevens condemning <laughs> Saracens? <laughs> yeah, two of well, the most evil well, empires on earth. <laughs> <laughs> um, a good question, a, a great question. I I, I genuinely don't, don't know, but I am enjoying the Sar- like the whole Saracens thing. I I'm, I know I shouldn't. I know that they are they've done terrible, terrible things, but. It makes it so much more entertaining. I mean, I'm almost a Saracens fan now. I, I don't mind saying that. The, who, who was the the fella that, that did that article or wrote, wrote that thing? The legal bo- uh, bod saying what? Lord Dyson, Lord, master of the rules. Yeah, Lord Dyson, but basically has said, "I don't understand why the report hasn't been published. What are you doing?" And now, didn't Saracens say, "Oh, we want to re- we want to release the oh, report"? I'd love to. I'd love to release the report. Why is the report not coming out? I mean, I, I'm sure I don't know. You probably can't comment on any of this, Ed. So. Uh, it happens at all levels doesn't it well yeah these reports just get put into a drawer and closed and locked i I don't know i mean do you know what kind of makes me feel a little bit sad it's how much money has been wasted on report writing i mean like these guys (laughs) aren't cheap maybe that's what i need to do after (laughs) well do you remember when sean o'brien got done in not this world cup the last world cup for i don't know whatever he did wrong and it was you know it was nothing too bad it was nothing out of the ordinary for a rugby game but maybe it was a high tackle or some such thing and because the ref didn't deal with it, he had to go to some disciplinary panel. And they had a barrister write him a report, which is at least three pages long. And that's got to cost, I don't know, hundreds of pounds. Report writing in rugby is worth a lot of money. I think, you have just, I think you're right, Ed. I think, there is a, I think there is a business there. Maybe you should have a rethink. I genuinely do. Um, other, yeah, other... Well, not if I have to be a QC. <laughs> well, other than that, I, I don't know. There hasn't been a great deal of news this week. There's lots of rumours surrounding George Cruz. Uh, what kind of esteem do you hold him in, Ed? Guy in your position? Yeah, re- re- really high esteem. I think he's. Um, I think in terms of thinking about the game, the way he runs the line out, um, he's a very smart player, um, and obviously, you know, his, his kind of his CV speaks for itself, really. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know when you, you guys look at um, look at Saracens? Uh, you know, as yeah, you know, as lads uh, speak uh, in the change room and uh, and whatnot. Did you ever feel that you know they 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 look suspiciously strong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to to look at it. It's just plain black and white. Are they are cheating? I think for me, you know, I, I respect that they've developed a lot of players, a lot mm. of players that come through and played at the highest level. Um, and keeping those guys happy and keeping them well paid is is very difficult with the cap, isn't it? As well as adding to your squad. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I also look at the kind of the way they've looked after their players. So, so all these things they've added at the training ground, things like being able to take your kids and having a crash and you know work opportunities, things like that outside of the club is is um, has been really good, and a lot of guys have benefit from benefit from that, and it's kept guys at the club. So there is a side to them that is you know, all about the welfare of the players, looking after them. They've come up with new ways to do it and new ideas. And, you know, I've got a lot of respect for that. Um, and it's difficult to justify the, the fact that they are over the cap, but you can kind of see how they've developed these guys. You know, things have gotten around the ground, new ideas. Um, has obviously push, had to push the boundaries a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I before the report was released... Yeah, you know, and the allegations were made. I wasn't that far away from Stephen Jones in my in my thinking, which was the case of like, you know, I think they're not over the cap. In fact, I actually thought that they'd done things 
like you mentioned, Ed, which are all around the club, uh, uh, the crash, the welfare, the, the fact that all those players always seem to like being together. To me, I thought they could actually have done it. But now the report comes out, and I feel like a bit of an idiot. Like I should have been well, no. a, 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 bit, a bit more cynical, really. Or, or the report doesn't. Or the report comes out kinder. But we're never going to see it. As much as Sar- as much as Saracen say, "Oh, we want to release it," I don't think it'll ever come out. Well, the more people that read it, the more it's going to leak, and eventually there'll be no point in not releasing it because there'll be so much information out there which is true, mixed with some stuff which is false. That it'll be for the benefit of everyone that we know actually what's in it. Okay. Maybe so, but anyway, George, George Cruz was one name mentioned. There's others. But, but Matt Gallagher to um, to Munster. Munster's an incredible. One. Yeah, well, I, th- I think we're going to hear loads of these rumours over the time. Some of it, I think, is going to be agent speak. Um, you know, when you hear, I, I mean, I don't know, uh, and you, I don't know what you can or can't say, Ed. But I, I'm getting more and more cynical about a lot of these rumours that pop up that that this might be kind of agent speak, engineering potential things. That's what agents do. That's their job. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, why would you be cynical? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Lazowski to Bath is 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 another one, which well, I quite like. Well, they've been hunting a they've been hunting a ten. Maybe they want. And, to, maybe and, they're telling me can play ten. There is a. 10. Oh, I don't think that'll happen. What Lazowski going back to ten or going to Bath? Going to Bath. I don't think that'll happen. Why is that then? Um, I think he is very happy at Saracens. I think he's a, he's a class player. I'm I'm sure they will have have offered him a deal to stay. Um, mm. I'd just be very surprised if someone like him left Saracens. Yeah, I mean, he is exactly the sort of player that they want to keep. I mean, imagine being Mark McConnell. It's like it's like deciding which of your favourite children that you want to you know keep about. McCall's choice. McCall's choice. Yeah, I mean, McCall's it, it, choice. It, it I, is no, a I, situation. I, I imagine you know with the success they got, they, then they're not going to fall to the bottom. I know they're at the bottom of the table now with the, with mm. the deduction, but they're not they're not going to fall to the bottom of the table and uh, and turn into a rubbish side overnight. I think they'll probably give the opportunity to a lot of players that, that maybe they'll have to take a pay cut. And I think some of those will, will be happy to do that for the club. Mm. Um, and there'll obviously be guys that have to leave um, because either they want to, they want more money and that's their priority um, or the club can't afford to keep them. So, so, so um, I think there'll be a lot more players stay than, than, than maybe you think. Sorry to put you, put you on the spot here, right? But just say yeah. if I came to you with the deal and the deal is yeah. this, right? I assume you're very happy at Gloucester? Yep. Okay. So the deal is you can win a premiership and a European Cup two years two years running, four trophies in all next two years. How much of a pay <laughs> how much of a pay cut would you would you take percentage wise? A fair bit. Really? Twenty five percent? If you could guarantee me that. Yeah. Yeah, a fair bit, yeah. Yeah, so I guess there is scope for uh, for for manoeuvre then. That one, and that's why I made the point that I think there'll be guys that will be happy to take a pay cut. Would you? Um, would you take that pay cut? Because they're either really comfortable and happy with their playing with their friends and in that environment, you know. Would you take that so pay then, cut if none of your other teammates did? Because I imagine that's where it's kind of gets a bit squirrely, which is, you know, if some lads say, "Yeah, I can do it," and other lads completely because, well, maybe they've you know got financial commitments, which means they can't. They should do it in a game. You know yeah. those game shows where they have steal and share. <laughs> they should do it like that. <laughs> take a pay cut if everyone took a pay cut but then you have someone someone like tim you know on his bt money and like he he, he wouldn't take a pay cut so like do i take a pay cut so tim can stay on full pay it's an, Look, it's an interesting they're, they're gonna be fair i think they'll have to be fairly open about the process you know i don't think it's gonna be cloak and dagger um about trying to 
coax people into taking pay cuts, but not others. Are, they're going to have to be fairly open about I it. I guess would, they just offered the new Would be my thoughts. Yeah. Hey, listen, let's get on to a bit of rugby for this weekend. And I thought, right, I'm going to try and summarise where we are after five rounds. Okay. Okay. So um, here's where we are. We've got four pool winners that are through. Racing, Toulouse, Exeter and Leinster. The final pool winner is likely to be Claremont, but could still be Ulster. Mm -hmm. Uh, None of those teams have a guaranteed home quarter final as it stands. All of them have winnable games next week, except for Toulouse, obviously, who are going down to Gloucester in flames. Um, All have games they could win next weekend. So it could even come down to points difference for seedings, apart from Leinster, who are going to be the top seeds. Uh, It's what I'm thinking. As for the three runner-up spots, Ulster will get one of them by the look of it. Um, being at home to Bath, meaning the two remaining spots are going to come from most likely Saracens, who you'd think would be favourites to beat Racing at home with all their big guns, uh, with one more final spot and a likely trip away to Leinster the prize for either Gloucester, Northampton, Glasgow or Munster. Now, Gloucester have the hardest task going to Toulouse. We can get onto that uh, with Ed. Uh, Winning there looks a, a, a tough ask. Not impossible, but tough. Uh, If Saints win in Lyon, they'd likely go through as a result. But if Gloucester and Saints lose, it opens the door for Glasgow away at Sale. And it's only if Glasgow also lose that Munster could potentially sneak in through the back door. They're home to Ospreys with probably um, one of the probably the 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 most likely fixture of any to to be a five point win uh, next weekend. Mm -hmm. So my prediction for the quarterfinals, and I apologise for this, Ed. But it's only my prediction, and I've been wrong more than I'm right. Uh, Leinster top seed at home to Northampton. Exeter second seed at home to Saracens. Imagine that in a European quarterfinal. Uh, Toulouse third seed home to Ulster. Claremont fourth seed home to Racing. Uh, it's, it's some, cha- it's some challenge you've got I, next week, Ed. How, how, do you, uh, how, how are the boys talking or thinking about uh, a trip to Toulouse? Just kind of no fear, give it a crack, nothing to lose? Look, I think we were amazed considering we'd we'd only won one of the games um, that we were still in the hunt for the knockout stages, to be honest with you. It's a bit of a freak year, I imagine, Yeah. Mm. um, if you go back. So um, for us, it was kind of like a third chance saloon for it really coming into the last weekend of of Europe in the group stages. So we obviously got those five points um, yesterday and... You know, we've got everything to play for against Toulouse. I think they're obviously a really dangerous side. They they play pretty open games similar to us. Um, so I guess it's going to be uh, the best defence wins um, because I feel like we have, you know, I think we scored the most tries in the Premiership. Yep. Conceded the least. I know. I, I was going to say, right? that's six games in a row you've got try bonus point and another clean sheet. I was not aware of that. N- another no we, tries we conceded yesterday. Three. Yeah. Three games. Yeah. Um, but uh, the te- the prem doesn't necessarily reflect that because we probably um, we've missed a few opportunities. Uh, you know, we probably haven't got some of the kicks at goals that would have won us games. Have been a difference sometimes, small mm. margins. But look, I, you know, I think um, if we go over there and give it a crack, we've we have we've got to believe we've got a chance based on on our previous form in terms of scoring tries and. A bit of faith in our defence, but there's no doubt to lose to lose away is a is a really really difficult game. Uh, and you talk about um, uh, tight margins. You could, and I mean, do you, do you look back as should have been four? Uh, well, five wins out of five. 
You could, could, you could that, quite, quite easily that, that have been. That Connacht game, obviously yeah. at their place, we should have won. Eleven points up. Um, that that, Re- that, that was must really hard you, to yeah. take. Yeah. Um, just our discipline in that last ten minutes was really poor, and we've been fairly open about that. Um, obviously, to lose at home, I th- we weren't in a great place at the time. I think we'd lost two on the bounce, yeah, three on the right. bounce in the prem, and we were just lacking a little bit of confidence. And I feel like that was the difference in that game. Mm. Um, but certainly we, yeah, yeah, I feel like we sh- we could have picked up a few more points. I think Montpellier away, we got we went over there and everyone wrote us off because we put out quite quite a young squad. Yeah, very um, young squad. But we came back firing and we scored a lot of points, a lot of good tries, but it just just wasn't enough. And our loose style of play, you know, in that game, we were running everything. I don't, think, I can't remember exiting the twenty-two. Um, from what watching it, it. What was probably th- you know if we'd have just balanced it out a little bit more, we could have could have come away with a win. What was the thought of going with that younger team to Montpellier? I think Johan's really open about giving giving everyone an opportunity rather than just relying on the same twenty three week in week out. Yeah, um, he wants to drop players in there and see how they handle it. And Montpellier away in Europe's a, a pretty difficult ask. <laughs> yeah. um, but but I thought you know people. People showed like Lloyd Evans, you know, hadn't played for a few weeks and done really well in pre-season, played really well in the in the Prem Cup, and he came into that game and I thought he played really well, mm. um, particularly in a position like ten. Um, but you know, like I say, Johan has real confidence in in all the squad. He, you know, he thinks about you know why he might change things, how he might change things, and it's not always going to be the predictable twenty-three every weekend, which is which is a good thing because those guys that maybe haven't played. In a few weeks, we'll have a bit of a carrot during training. You know, they've still got something to work for. They know that he he will change things up. And equally, in the game yesterday, I he gave opportunities to some guys. Um, made, you know, made a few changes. I thought the hooker Todd Gleave looked looked ace. Yeah, he looked really good. Yeah, and again, he's he's a bloke, and he works really hard. You know, I sat down with him and we watched lineouts. We talked about his throwing. We talked about the movements. You know, we work work quite a lot together analyzing um training and our games and you know he's he's really hungry he really he really wants that opportunity and he's had a few few minutes off the bench and um frank and murray i think pulled out or yep. just before and he he got his chance i thought like you said i thought he was really good so i'm i'm just pleased for him and as i say it's good it's good for the squad um that these guys come in and they get their chance and they take it you know hey. Ed, what's the song after a game? Because I saw a little video of Todd Gleave whacking a bin in the changing room. Because obviously yeah. we know about the Tiki Tonga with Saracens, and there's the Bristol have the Wurzels. What's this? What's the Gloucester post-match song? Um, well, I, I know the words. It hasn't really got a name. Well, I guess you best, best sing it. Rugby post-match win song. Um, it's give us a mate, chorus. What, 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 you what, want the chorus? What are the words? Mate, Just some sacred. of them. Sacred. Okay, fine. sacred. Fair enough. Fair enough. We see the pictures sometimes you, from the changing room cameras, but um, oh, you have, have to turn the volume up. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, uh, oh, in talk- fact, I'll be telling them not to record it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, talking about young lads in Gloucester, I mean, obviously, we're going to have to talk about uh, the the lad uh, Louis Lewis Reese Zamet. We only found out not- the, only found out this week. It's not Louis; it's Lewis. We've been oh. saying it wrong. Really? Uh, but, it- right, but Lewis Reese Zamet. Uh, I mean, yeah, this guy's legit, isn't he? Ridiculous! Like, like, is Absolutely he, ridiculous. Was he? Is he this ridiculous in training? When when he stars against Montpellier, were you thinking, yeah, they're in for it now? 
They have no <laughs> idea what is coming. Well, I'd, we kind of heard a few whispers about him last year, um, carving up in the 18s. Mm. Um, and you saw a few of his tries and you thought, all right, you know, he's scoring some nice tries in, in the under 18s league. Um, <laughs> you know, let, you know, when he gets his chance, let's see if he can, he yeah, can do it. Up. And he, he came into preseason this year and obviously like the lads, I can't remember if he's 18 or 19, one or the other, but, um, he's like six foot two, six foot three and properly built, you know, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't look like most 18, 19 year olds. And obviously um ridiculously quick like i haven't seen many players as quick as him if any it's amazing isn't it? um so he, he just came in and he moves well he's skillful and obviously he's rapid and i mean it's unbelievable how things have fallen into place for him to be fair but you've got to give him the credit for taking taking this opportunity and, and it was I this mean, time I mean, last year when everyone was raving about ollie thorley wow look at the look at the impact he's having ollie now thorley, he's been given like a run 23 now he's old like, news he's old news <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, the, the talent coming through, um, you've got to give credit to, to the guys underneath that are, that are doing the job, obviously. Um, the speed, I mean, Thorlo's a completely different kind of player, I think, yeah. to, to Lewis, but um, to have both of them in your side is pretty special, I think. Yeah. 100%. Now, listen, you're, you're one of the, you're one of the leaders at Gloucester. You can have a word in people's ear and they listen. So come on, can we just can we this whole well I'm Welsh nonsense? Can we can you just have a word with Lewis and get that sorted? Can you explain to him what twenty grand a game buys? <laughs> he's had a few people drop that in, yeah, but mate, the, he's not having any of it. The lads Welsh through and through. He's, I think he's. Uh, I hope he gets a chance to play in the Six Nations. I'd love yeah. to see him. Wait till he gets a call from, um, from Uncle Eddie. Well, he's had one, hasn't he? Oh, has he? Well, Is that true? Was off, that a rumor, but... or did he, or, or, or did he, did he actually have a call? Do you know? I've got no idea. I'm sure they would have would have got in touch. Not that they tell me, but um, look, I, he he wants to play for Wales, and I, I think it could happen very soon. Hopefully, yeah. if he can if he continues as he, as is, um, I'd be surprised if they didn't get him involved. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's segue just briefly to uh, players that that might be added to an England squad. I mean, just just one thing though, Ed. You're yeah. You're on that list of guys that should have got a cap but through just bad luck didn't <laughs> that uh, lovely list that yeah. lovely list with with Dan Ward Dan Ward Smith and Pete Anglesey <laughs> Pete Anglesey Pete Anglesey was one of the best players never to get a cap okay <laughs> I didn't see him play yeah no I don't really remember but um what? but but Ed you were uh, do, do you look back on that uh, are you able to now is enough water gone under the bridge that you can just kind of go hey one of those things yeah, I'll, look, I'll always be gutted about it. You know, I'll always look back and go, oh, that was something I really wanted to achieve. You know, that was um, kind of the ultimate goal. But, uh, you know, it doesn't, things don't happen as you want them to all the time. Mm-hmm. So I have made peace with it. I think, you know, I had some enjoyable times in involved in the squads and I learned a fair bit and I got to know some some other guys who, who I get on with really well. And, you know, I had a nice experience like going to New Zealand um, and those bits, and and very a fortnight in the World Cup camp, which was uh, lovely. But you know, things things didn't work out. My my body just wasn't holding up at the time, um, and I missed my opportunity. So 
It's just the this is card I got dealt. Now you can just be one of those guys in, in the pub in like thirty years time. I should have got an England. I I, I would have got an England cap. You can just Mate, be, you can be, be that guy. Desperately sad, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, but as for the new breed that might get added to the England squad, now uh, I don't expect Eddie to to do what France have done. That France's squad is bonkers. They they have is, thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Bonkers, right? Than when Lancaster per, picked his first squad. Yes. Why? Well, well no, on, I think I'd say it's more like when Clive Woodward picked his first squad. I remember Ed, uh, Clive Woodward did the same thing. He just went right. I'll get all the kids in, and uh, at the time, no disrespect, because I've got a lot. I've got a lot of time for flats. Love him, uh, obviously. But uh, he was one of the guys that was, and, and people like Andy Long were beneficiaries. They came in and then probably weren't quite of the of the standard necessary. Andy and got, Long the hooker, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and, and then quickly hard, got me. kind of like ed, edged out again. And Clive Woodward brought back in the experienced names, but I so I, I think France will reverse on what they've currently done, which is basically pick a load of kids. Uh, I quite like the look of the squad, to be honest. I, it, it reminds me more of the Lancaster squads, where he basically got rid of everyone. Uh, what did Robshaw have? Twelve caps when he's appointed captain. Something, some, something, something like that. So yeah, I, I think it's more Lan- Lancastrian than Woodwardian. Well, uh, Eddie won't do that, but there might be some young players added. So uh, let me throw some names uh, out there. Well, we could, we'll just uh, a bit of a free for all. Lots of people are talking about George Furbank. It looks like he's going to get a, a shout at fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and let's let's let me let's start with forwards though, which is like your area of expertise, Ed. So uh, the front row: Beno Abano and, and Will Stewart. Do you rate them? You you had a game against uh, Bath recently. Um, yeah, I think obviously Will Stewart's doing a really good job. I think Lou said it's a difficult position to be coming through in the England squad still, isn't it? I think mm-hmm. um, Mako and, and Genji, are, for me, are the, are the top two yeah. in that position. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, back row then. Let me throw these names. Which ones would you add if you were selecting? Uh, Alex Dombrant, Ben Earl, Jack Willis, Tamana Harrison back in, or Ben Curry as a uh, flanker slash nine? <laughs> Mate, I like, I like all of those. They're like amazing, Dombrant, Ben, big fan of Ben Earl. I think he's a brilliant player, and also think the same with Jack Willis. I think he's absolute class. So, I'd like to see those all those guys in. The, the problem that you got with these guys now is every time you think of one, you think, yeah, he could be, he could be the one, and then you think, actually, no, it depends what you, what you want to do with them because they're all so good. It's basically, mm. you know, the the pl- uh, the right player. For, for the right situation because I, I, I yeah. can't really split them I think Ben Earl's incredible but then I look at Willis I think God he is actually the real deal he's brilliant yeah yeah, yeah he's brilliant but then you know, he, I, I on, think sorry. you know I think um, Willis probably for me and I know I haven't played test rugby but he looks like he could slot into that that test arena pretty pretty comfortably I think just with the size the way he plays the aggression he's got um, Ben Earl's obviously a fantastic player very quick very athletic isn't he mm. um kind of like a an x-factor kind of guy um and don Bradden just seems to be in the right place at the right time but i think the overall package for me out of those guys would be jack willis mm. yeah i tend to agree i think he's amazing and also he's one of those guys no matter what the opposition is he doesn't seem to play any worse he always no, is consistent. No, he's brilliant what, what I mean, I he's ask... got most turnovers in the premiership hasn't he i think he got yeah. six in one game the other yeah week. exactly he did ridiculous. Uh, it, like I'll tell you another interesting one too, um, and it won't come to come as much as a surprise that I'm mentioning this guy. But you ask anyone at Sale, you know, who uh, who is really good? Ben, uh, uh, ben Curry is right up there, right up. Yeah, there. I feel I feel like it's probably just in the shadow of his brother a little bit. Not not rightly or wrongly, you know. Mm. 
you just you hear a lot more about Tom, don't you? And you see a lot more about Tom, and it probably just takes the light off Ben a little bit. Um, yeah. But is he is he you know with the back row they've got is he starting with with John O'Ross with Tom with um, Dupree in there? Is he going to be starting over those boys or no? He won't be starting I, I, over I, those I, guys. I, they they literally rotate them uh, get get game to game. If it was a, if it was a Premiership okay. final, if it was a Premiership final, it, he would pick John O'Ross, Dan Dupree, and Tom Curry. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't would. know. It, it just depends. And I don't even he think would. that Tom Curry's is, is like his major competition now. I, I think it's Fafta Clerk. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> right. Here's one name then, because he uh, someone with a really unique skill set, but and someone you've played with and spent a lot of time with at Leicester, uh, and much like yourself, Leicester oh, Leicester decided that that uh, they didn't oh, need him. Going, yeah. Harry Thacker could he could he make make it in a Test arena or will his is his size an issue? Do you think? <laughs> I personally, I, th- I think he's a brilliant player. I think th- size is something that will always get thrown at him. You know, he's, he's not going to grow two or three inches. That's just not going to happen. So I think you've got to trust that um, his ability and, and what he's shown week to week is, has been first class. And, you know, the, the only way you're going to find out is by throwing him in at the deep end. And, and I, I certainly think he deserves an opportunity. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I think we should. I think we we should celebrate the uniqueness of him rather than trying to. And this is quite an English thing, actually, to try and sort of find people to fit a mold rather than yeah, finding yeah. finding special yeah. talents where they These exist. Are far more positives than negatives. Yeah. In yeah. fact, you could say his his height is 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 only negative. Everything else, I think, is fantastic. But yeah, like I say, I, you have to throw him in there for me on 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 form and, and see how he goes. Yeah, it wasn't until someone took, uh, rolled the dice on Neil back that that whole yeah, myth about him not being big enough was dispelled. So, Yeah. But what's, um, what's Harry Thacker like as a teammate? Because I always assume, and this is really um, stereotypical, but because he's a smaller guy, I assume he either works really hard or he's really quick yeah. or there must be something which makes him, well, which, make, which makes him able to compensate for the fact that he's not the biggest of blokes. Overly aggressive or something. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's not. He's he's a very laid back guy. He's he's obviously just had a had a boy as well, a little baby boy. So he's very much you know. In his spare time, he gets down to the sea. Um, he trains extremely hard. I think you know he probably makes up for his height by by working hard in the gym. Yeah, because physically he's very strong. Um, but in terms of personality, no, no, he's he's. Um, He's pretty consistent. He's not overly aggressive or shy or anything. He's just pretty comfortable with himself, I'd say. Right. I'll, I'll ask you both. Um, in the centre, then, because this is one position where I think Eddie Jones will, will be looking around at, at some other names. If you had to, JB, if you had to pick, I mean, we could, they could end up with both of them, but if you had to pick Nick Topkins or England's Sonny Bill, as Carl Ferns dubbed him, Mark, Mark Atkinson, <laughs> which, which, would you, which would you pick? I'm picking Mark Atkinson every day of the week. Quite frankly, Good man. like he's been playing so well for so long, and I think because he's not had the name recognition because he's come from Bedford, uh, well, was before that and sell, sell before that, but effectively Bedford to Gloucester, he just hasn't really had the had the profile. He he does now, but for two years he's been completely under, under the radar and been doing brilliantly. I would I, I would do that every day of the week. Well, it's, it's one of those week. guys you'd, you'd argue, you know, was he being utilised properly? Yeah, because um, he's been a gloss for what five, five years, six years maybe. Yeah, is it, is it that long? Um, so he's, he's been there a while now. Yeah, and obviously since um, since Sharon's come in, I think he's thrived. And you know, his his biggest asset is he can play up the line. You know, mm. he's got the skill to also 
pull off those passes, get his arm round, offload. Um, but he's also taller than me, and <laughs> as a as a second row, it's quite demoralising. Um, so he can take the contact. So uh, he's been he's been a massive part of um, our squad the last couple of years in terms of pushing up the table and uh, in terms of a character, he's he's a brilliant person to have around. I think there is also the element of him as well, which people forget. He was trying to make. Um, he was trying to make his bones in the in the Premiership originally as a fly half. So like, as a, yeah, yeah, we always laugh about that. Yeah, and like you know, <laughs> he, he, he did. He's a Premiership fly half, fine. But then that little move out um, out uh, outside to twelve, which is just a complete yeah. make, c- c- complete making of him, because you're going from an average kicking fly half to a brilliant kicking twelve. He's, um, he's, he, he, well, again, people just look at the size of him sometimes, and again, you sort of mentally pigeonhole him. But he's he's got all the skills. I, I'd like to see him. Uh, involved in the squad and had a, had a look at. Well, and... One of the things that I like yeah, most... Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? You don't want to take too much away from Nick Tompkins because I really like watching him yeah. play. He's a, he's a tough guy, isn't he, in terms of he, he carries hard for his size. Um, but I just think, for me, the, the way Mark's been playing over the last few years, I, I think he could he could offer something really to, different to, to what they've got at 12 at the moment. Mm. To be fair to Nick Tompkins, if I had Nick Tompkins' mate on as a special guest of Egg Chasers, I would definitely have picked Nick. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Nick I, yeah, you would have. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Easily bought, aren't you? Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Right. Uh, as for the Champions Cup, I mean, just generally, Ed, how much do players watch rugby when when they're not playing? Uh, it's a good question. Are well, there any? Are there any on. guys that just just don't watch? Don't like just watch? Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty of guys that Loads. don't watch it. Plenty of guys. Um, but, you know, there's also lots of closet nausers in the squads as well that don't like to admit that they watch all the rugby games and know all the players and their heights and weights and positions covered. So there there are plenty of those as well. So um, I obviously keep a lot of tabs on it because I'm, I'm boring bugger. I don't really like anything else but rugby. So, <laughs> um, But there there are guys I know who um, who would take the opportunity to switch off completely from it. You've just you've just reminded me of something which I really want to get to the bottom of. Uh, you said right. they, they know players' names, heights, weights, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, I know where you're going. With the this, height yeah. and weight that's on Wikipedia or in the club program or comes up yeah. on the telly. When, when, and who, and how does that? And how how accurate is that information? Well, it it kind of never changes from from when you start out. So, um, I don't know where mine originally came from, but it, I was six foot six. That's, and that's about good. 110 kilos, which was exaggeration, you know, at the least. Um, <laughs> so I I actually got them to change mine because I was more um, embarrassed about being labelled six foot six and then turning up, you know, someone turned up to a game going like, hold on, he's not six foot six. Who was that, your agent? And he said, the, uh, <laughs> no, 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 it would have been some, I don't know, the club media guy at the time or something, <laughs> but... But uh, I actually, so I got I got them to actually change it so that it wasn't deceptive because it's actually really embarrassing being shorter than than what your your height in the program says because everyone goes oh look you it says you're six foot six but what you're like just six five maybe six four he's six four one nine I'm one nine five centimeters which I think is just touches six five but it's probably six four well on the flip side I, I played at, at uni with. Uh... 
Luke Charteris, and I'm telling you, he's seven foot and doesn't want to put a seven foot yeah. down. He yeah, is he is a hundred percent seven he foot tall. Actually, lies and says he's shorter. Yeah, no, he does. He does. He does he's definitely opposite, seven foot tall. <laughs> but he, but that just sounds freakish, so he doesn't say it. By all accounts, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, no comment, Ed. Yes, I, I'm just trying to think. Long dog. <laughs> <laughs> was a nickname if I remember rightly I think he might have had a, a sausage dog as a pet I think yeah, possibly I think that, that might it. be why <laughs> anyway um, what was I say oh yeah thinking of players that don't like rugby right I, yeah. I, one in particular stands out for me Andy Andy plays for Gloucester can, can, can you guess who say again one one player in particular stands out for me who does not like rugby like, he loves to play it does not does not know the first thing about who he's playing against who plays for which team Directors of rugby, anything. Danny? Oh, no. But, but, <laughs> but is Danny in that group? Well, no, no. He's just not very good at pronouncing names. So <laughs> in a meeting, some of the, some of the players were playing and go, who? <laughs> <laughs> Alan, you know. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> like, try and get him to say Nayavara or something. He's talking about someone I, else. I got a bit of stick for... Uh... For the way I said his name on Twitter, some noises on Twitter. How do you uh, say it? Well, because it because he's it's a uh, so Tekeli it's yeah, but Tekeli, but it's there's a Q for Fijians has an N. It's like an Tengeli. N. It's like don't you remember a, a, a former Gloucester player Akabusi Ungera? Ungera. It's like there's an N first. So how did you say it? Tankele Nairavoro. It should be Tangele Nairavoro. Which is you put the N before the before the Q. Have you asked him? Uh, That'd be the best way, wouldn't it? No, but I think the generally, uh, you know, trade secret here. I think we get it right more often than we get it wrong, and we hold our hands up like I did with the. Uh, I apologise on the telly to Lewis Reese Summit for getting his name wrong all this time. But um, I think we our, our general approach is as long as we all say the same thing, we can be all yeah. all, all right or all wrong together. Oh, kind of like a union. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, well, so go on. Sorry, who, who's the who's the guy at Gloucester that doesn't like rugby? Goes by goes by the wrestling name Crisis. Goes by the what? Sorry. The wrestling name Crisis. Oh, Jamal. Yeah, doesn't know the first thing about rugby, as in like it does not, <laughs> has no interest in like who plays for sale. It loves playing the game, but just is rugby is not his thing. But knows everything about WWE. Yeah. Loves, to yeah. be fair, I haven't, I haven't had a rugby conversation really with him. So I'll, to be fair, I'll he's, put him up on that tomorrow. But yeah, he's too he, interested he's more to have a rugby conversation cars, with. He? He's more interested in cars, is he? Oh, he's he's a fascinating guy. He, he can talk yeah. about all, all sorts. What what uh, what is the car park like when you come into training? Or like what? Very 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 mixed. Mm. Um, would you like examples? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Of course. So um, obviously, my my best mate Fraser. Um, he's currently rolling around in a, a 52 plate, uh, Ford focus estate. Good lad. Um, the green hearse, we call it. <laughs> and I like the jib. Then, then you go to the other end of the scale and, um, Franco Mostarts just treat themselves to a G wagon. So, oh my no. word. What is it with yeah. these South Africans in the premiership? Marlon, Marlon Yard has a G wagon. Wow, which surprises nobody. Yeah. Francois Huard still you. still got his. Uh... No, no, uh, not not me. No. What in this Instagram life? Uh, no, no, uh, <laughs> no, no. Um, Marlon Yard having a G wagon surprises nobody. Go oh, right. Who? Okay. I mean, so yeah, Franco I'll... Mostert's, you know, pr- very proud of his wheels. Who else? Oh 
God, off the top of my head, obviously Jamal. He's got a mustache. Um, I had a mustache. Is there any real maverick like that either turns up in some sort of beaten up old thing or like a vintage car or a motorbike? Or no, you... I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, there's a bit of a trend with um, like old land cruisers. They're pretty the cool club. though, so, aren't they? So like Ruan Drea um, loves that, uh, Franco Murray. Uh, Josh Honnick has a has a beaten up Land Cruiser. I can see him in so that. So does Gerbrandt Grobler. Um, so there's a few of the Land Cruisers um, patrolling about. Well, you need Got a Land Cruiser. Mid 90s. Yeah, are... if, you go, if you go around the Cotswolds, you need, you need one of them. Yeah, but they're you? actually quite trendy. I mean, they are genuinely trendy because it's things to do with they are cars without like computerized systems or whatnot, so they last longer. They're, like it is a genuine fashion. Yeah, yes. I mean, some of them have done like you know, hundred eighty thousand miles and still running. Yeah, as if they've done ten. So that you know, I think they're they're well built. But um, that's that's a thing at the club. Good. Um, otherwise, it's whatever lease car you can get your hands on. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some some of the games yes, at the, the weekend. So, f- firstly, the, the the game involving Saracens over well at Ospreys, uh, a bit of a bonkers game. Saracens took a calculated risk leaving some of their big guns for next week's game against Racing. In the end, it paid off. They got the four points, not the bonus point win that they would have wanted, but with a red card after five minutes, that was a, a banana skin that got a lot more um, risky uh, for them. They got away with it. Firstly, on the red card. Have you seen it, JB? I have. I saw it this afternoon. I missed it uh, live um, live because what was the other game? Was it Ulster? It was Ulster yeah, Claremont so at the same flicking, time. You're flicking between the two. That's uh, it. Having seen it, well, I'll let Ed react to it first. Yeah, what do you think, Ed? Well, obviously, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit because, by the letter of the law, and all, you know, there's no black and white. He, he made contact with the head, but just you know, like a technical point when when a, a guy is trying to squeeze between two players, yes. if if you're making that tackle, particularly from where uh, Reese Carey came from, he's kind of the second man into the tackle. It's, it's quite hard to wrap your arm when the guy's already been hit from the other side by another one of your players. Mm. You're kind of just trying to make contact with your shoulder. So well, that would get... be the reason why he didn't wrap his arm. I People completely agree. Go, he intentionally yes. led with the shoulder. But it's yeah. actually, when you're doing those two-man tackles, it's difficult to wrap your arm around. It is. When, and, you know, and... There's another guy on the other side because you don't you don't get a, a grip on anything. You don't get a hand a hand on anything. Um, so I know I know exactly how it's happened and why he's done it, and it, it's it's difficult because I I think those kind of contacts happen quite regularly in rugby, mm. and he's just been picked out there. I I agree with you, and there's a different angle that showed that he's had a real clear wrap with his left arm, and yeah. as you say, there's nowhere for his right arm to go. So it's which is it, interesting. I've never really thought about that because you know players are trained to you know double hit you know uh, particularly against big runners. Well, he can't if you're going shoulder to shoulder with your teammate. It's very, very hard to wrap. I guess. Well, you you, you try and wrap your arm around your teammate and try and hit with your shoulder. You're probably dislocating your shoulder. Exactly. I was going to say that. It's a bit of self-preservation to actually hold your shoulder in place. Usually, when you wrap your arm, obviously you've you've got a tight grip around around someone. Your your shoulders tight. You 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 add someone else's body to then wrap around your shoulder. I wouldn't want to know what your shoulders do. The devil's advocate position would be. He was ever so slightly high. He could have been if he would, if he was a few inches lower. Then it probably he would have got away with it. Yeah, I mean that's the case with every 
high hit. I yeah, guess, it is. It? Um, it but, is. It, but it doesn't always unfold like that. But I do. Game. But I do agree with you, Ed. For Just what on the double tackle, I've got a feeling in France they're trying to push a, a trial. So, sorry, Tim. I'm not. I'm there not talking in, in, into my mic. There you go. Um, not another trial. Yeah, another trial of banning double hits. I'm, ap- I'm absolutely certain. In, that's in one of the French load divisions, they were going to trial it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. They've tried. Fine, trial it because then they'll realise it's an absolute joke. Well, it might work. That's why you got to trial it. Just ridiculous. But anyway, it, it, <coughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's a red card, but it's a soft red, isn't it? It's a non-malicious soft red. I guess we ain't, all need to get on with our lives. Yeah, I, I felt yeah. I felt for Reece Yeah, Curry. I think that intent thing's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, I'm not sure the intent was there. But no. it, it was amazing then, though, to see Saracens go and give away another yellow card. Because, you know, going down to thir- going down to 13, you get a sense then that they really don't want to win this game, which is incredible. <laughs> I, You know what? I, if if any any team can survive without a player or two players, I feel like it's it's Saracens with, yeah. with how they can control a game. You know they can almost they can almost play that kind of ten man rugby, can't they? Yeah. Their set piece is very good. Their kick their kicking game is very good. Their kick chase is good. As long as they're they're kicking well and they're chasing well, they can always keep teams kind well, of contained. And, and you've just hit the, t- the the key things there. I mean, the fact that Richard Wigglesworth is man of the match, and then that Le- yeah. Alex Lewington try in the end is exactly well, what you just talked they about. They never panic. I mean, even when it was tight and it wasn't going their way, they look utterly calm, which is the exact opposite to what Ospreys look like i mean i i can't work out ospreys for life of me i mean if you read their team sheets there are some young lads in there there are some lads that you don't particularly know but there's also like you know like test lions there and for whatever reason it is they just they they just can't pull it together yeah but not you know that those key positions you know that you know alan wins obviously second row he's an inspirational blow inspirational player but you know, there's only so much influence he can have on the game. Yeah. Um, same with with Tipperick. So, I just think they've probably been devastated by injuries, haven't they? And um, they're again, they're a team where the confidence is is low. There seems to be problems but, up and down the organisation. So, yeah, but I think um, they've got. Think, you know, it's a difficult one. I think they've got they've got Anscombe's come back. They've got Owen Williams Don't in the squad. They've got all all these lads. Now, just watching this, obviously, we mentioned Alan Wynn there. Did you enjoy the tussle between him and George and George Cruz? Cruz? Cruz. Cruz? Cruz. Cruz. I, I, I have to put up with JB and Phil calling him Cruz. I've, yeah. I've actually stopped correcting him because they just they never pay me any attention George when Cruz. I do correct him. Anyway. Okay, I'll ignore it. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt um, I felt that Ospreys looked better with Alan Wynn. Obviously, mm. I think it raises everyone's game a little bit. Um, and George, obviously, is just a, a, a good operator and a I'll be interested to see how he how he plays over the next few weeks with with the Japan thing flying around. Mm, yeah. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But um, you know that'll be something that'll be in my mind when when I'm watching how he gets on. They had a good old wrestle. What a literal yeah, literal yeah, yeah, yeah. wrestle! So like, yeah, yeah, they were like pinning each other on the floor, and they were they were really trying to ref each other up. Uh, yeah, within as far as they could push it legally. There, there what was the game? It was uh, oh, it was the Gloucester Montpellier game. I think uh, there was there was clearly a. Um, I think it was the Montpellier captain clearly has done a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he got in that what's that defensive position that when you're on your back God with your legs wrapped around God uh, yeah. with uh, Franco Mostert yeah with Franco Mostert he got he got in a oh, textbook BJJ defensive Franco, wasn't it? it was his legs and get him on his back yeah it was a good flip it was hang on yeah. what was the game was it your game 
where it might have been your game against Toulouse where they stole did someone steal a lineup ball right at the end? A South Afri- and a South African said, Oh yeah, I steal that ball because I went to school with the guy. Yeah, it was that game. <laughs> was it? Elstad. Uh, That's the one. Elstad, Ryan yeah. Elstad, yeah. Yeah. He he said, Yeah, I kind of I I I've known him for a long time, so I you know, I think I might have used that to my advantage there. <laughs> to be fair, I think he'd stolen about two or three before that. Yeah. So yeah, he was, he was in um, in the zone, wasn't he, as you call it? He was. Uh, as for, I mean, the most bonkers game of the weekend, most entertaining to watch if you're a neutral, particularly. The sale, La Rochelle game? <laughs> Exeter, Glasgow. Oh. Exeter at Glasgow. I mean, firstly, I, I want to talk about this uh, this trend of European kits, which it seems like Gloucester have got rid of now, I'm glad to say. D- does it affect you psychologically in any way when you pull on a disgusting kit? <laughs> No, not really. I mean, when it comes down to it, but you don't. You, obviously, you talk about it, don't you? When when you see it, you go, "Oh, well, Ed, about that one." To be fair, though, Ed is a man's man. You know, I guess if you, if you ask, like, yeah, I'll, I'll just pick someone at random. Someone like Danny Cipriano, who likes to look good. I don't think he'd be happy in the um, Exeter no, European kit. Danny would know that he yeah, can look good in any right, kit. Yeah. That's the that, flip that, side. That, that, that is true. Someone not quite as cool as Danny, who is equally as fashion conscious, would have a problem with that extra weight kit. I think yeah, I think those those um, slimmer guys who are more image conscious would probably yeah, uh, as you say, but maybe ne- look into it a bit deeper than me. Nevertheless, with that with that lilac kit, uh, Exeter a thirty-one all draw, bonkers game went back and forth, crossbar challenge completed by Stuart Hogg at the end of the match. Um, yes. Just a, a mad game. I tell you what, uh, Glasgow re- really really impressed me. Like they seem to lose players continuously, but they've got a good, uh, good organisation. Guys car- carry on coming through, carry on improving. I thought Hastings was particularly good, uh, and also they play a very, very nice, uh, very nice br- uh, uh, brand of rugby, which is important because they're basically against the polar opposite in Exeter, who do who can play nice, but uh, tends to be a bit more muscular. And it was just a good contrast. No, very impressive. I th- I actually think I I think Exeter are a bit a little bit like where Gloucester are heading as well where that 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 balance between the real uh, the real tough horrible nasty stuff oh they can do it but extra have got uh, a far better gnarly game than uh Glasgow oh yeah yeah well yes far better but i th- i actually think that's when rugby's at its best when you have that real nasty horrible stuff with the with the beautiful game as well mm. yeah you have you have to have both don't you you have to be able to do both because otherwise you get beaten up every week and you just you 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 know, you struggle to win games. Have, have you ever played with a better carrying back row than the one that you've currently got at Gloucester? <sighs> because they are, they are monsters. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? With, it is. With, um, Jake Paledri, I mean, um, what a quality player he is. is and, it? like, he just came out of nowhere as well. The, the, guy that um, I, the guy that I like, and no one really talks about him, is Freddie Clark. I love Freddie Clark. Yeah, he's, he's really good, but he's, he's, um, he's very quick. Um, he's got a good step on him as well. He's quite an athletic bloke, um, considering he looks like a bag of sick. But um, <laughs> no, I think we're really we're really blessed in that department because another player who I really rate is Aaron Hinckley, who's coming through. Um, I don't know if if you've seen a lot of him, but um, you know when when he gets his opportunity, when when he gets a run of games, I think uh, it'd be another player that that people will talk about in terms of the carrying ability. Yeah, because I guess guy who doesn't carry quite as hard as those other names, who, who I really rate, but I guess he's just a, he's overshadowed, is uh, Ludlow. Because you know the guy 
just tackles and tackles and tackles and tackles. But then, on the other hand, maybe he doesn't quite carry like Ruin Ackerman does. Yeah, but he's one of those players, isn't he, that you, that I, for me, you want in your side in terms of how competitive he is and, and the work he gets through. Yeah. Um, he's got a ridiculous engine on him. And as you say, he's just tackling, 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 tackling all game. Um, and just puts his body on the line as well, does has no real care for himself. So um, those kind of players are, are worth their weight in gold as well. Uh, so J- Johnny Gray is going to be moving from Glasgow to Exeter next season. It, I mean, these these two teams were well well matched up at Scotston. What difference do, would Johnny Gray have made if, if you'd have taken him out of Glasgow's side yesterday and, and plonked him in Exeter's side? Do, uh, what, what, does a, what does a guy like that, what difference can one guy like that make? Hit with his well, skill set. I think um, probably in terms of ending, like talking about Lewis Ludlow there, I just think the the amount of work he gets through is enormous. Um, and obviously, as a set piece player, he's, he's very good as well. But I think it's a really good signing for Exeter. I've, I've always been been um, a big fan of, of Johnny Gray. I think he's a, a brilliant player, and it would be a big loss to to Glasgow and I think Scottish rugby really disappearing down down into the Premiership. Yeah, I mean, my my thought on that signing is, I mean, uh, Johnny Gray is a guy who makes a lot of tackles, and I think Exeter would do with a guy like that because you know back, their back row in a very similar way to Gloucester's is very carry heavy. So they could you know they can have Armand, they can have Ewers, they can have Simmons. Simmons, by the way, a guy we didn't even mention when we yeah, were talking true. about yeah. young back rows in, back back rows in England. So I think someone just to pick up that slack really, and then let the other guys do the hard carrying. Yeah, that's fair. But this, uh, did you see any of this game, Ed? The one at Scotland? No, no, I didn't. No, no I, I didn't. It was just I, I caught up at the few highlights, but just uh... I saw it. It was very, very good, and it's also good to see Hugh Jones score. And you wonder, like, why did they not take him to the World Cup? Why? Well, you can say that about Rory Hutchinson, but no, it was interesting. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Hugh Jones. It was interesting what he said about Dave Rennie. He said that was he, he coming back from an injury, and he. He said he, he, went, he went to Dave Rennie and said, you know, okay, well, where's my game at? What do you think? What do I need to do? And Dave just said, hey, 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 just go and play. Forget forget it all. Just go and play. And he said that's actually been such a, a, a liberating thought for him. And those soft skills of, of man managers, it, it seems like with, with Johan, you've, you've got a guy that, that knows when to crack the whip and when to put an arm around you. Yeah, I think it's probably the most important job now for the, for the guy at the top, um, that man management side of things, because... Um, whereas before, maybe when I first started out at Leicester in the years before I was there, it was very much of um, I say you do, um, which was which worked really well, particularly with the with the squad they had. I think the the players now have changed a lot. You know, they question a lot. They want to know why they're doing certain things. So you, so you got to be on your toes. You got to be able to manage those different personalities now. So um, it's interesting you say that. Quite often you find with with the Kiwi coaches that. That um, they do have that side to to their game or or to their kind of personality, you know, that ability to to get on with guys and manage them well and give them the freedom to play. So I'm not surprised that you said Dave Rennie's just just said that to him. So um, just and kind of got let him off the leash. So just going on to the man management thing because I do I do think obviously it's it's very important. I was lucky enough to interview um, Yo- uh, Johan a few weeks ago, mm. and uh, just blew me away. Just absolutely blew blew me away however the, uh, I was going to ask uh, I mean you've, you've seen quite a few directors of rugby now you've seen quite a few pre-game speeches and so, so on and so forth 
does the act ever really grow old? Do you, do you ever feel that you're watching the same video over and over again once you get once you get into your thirties? No, I think um, Johan's got a good balance. Um, obviously, when he when he first arrived, it was approach that guys that had been there before weren't used to it. Something I wasn't used to from Leicester either. So, um, so it was really interesting. But but he's he's obviously adapted and changed as well. So. Mm. Um, you know, he he doesn't tend to say a, a great deal in the lead up to games, and then obviously the impact when when he does speak or, or when he does feel the need to to talk to the team is far greater. So I, I just think it's that balance that you know you might change as as the seasons go or as the games go how you approach. You might step back a little bit. You might then be a bit more vocal. So I think, as I said about that man management, that ability to to recognise what the squad needs and when they need it. He, um, he's like the uh, sorry. Johan's like the, the the best example of um, walk calmly but carry a big stick because he is. The, I've never. I mean, I've come into contact with him a fair bit. He's, he's one. Of, he's one of the most polite, the smiliest, the happiest, the kindest, the most giving. But then there's just something in his eyes that you just you can see. I would. Well, I do not want. I don't want to upset you. I don't want to upset you. I, I also I also interviewed him when. Um, so Gloucester came to the Gloucester came to the AJ Bell last game of last season and and, and they lost and I was expecting I don't know I, I was basically expecting someone to be very very harsh on Gloucester's performance and he mm. comes into the into the into the press room he's obviously a big intimidating bloke but as soon as he speaks he sort of fills you with confidence he's and there's no negativity about his team in fact if anything it was just pure praise about everyone um everyone that played and you can sort of think yeah I, I could get behind this yeah I think if you remember that game we, we sent again quite a young team up didn't we yeah you did um, and they did really well so I think he was really pleased with, with the effort they put in I think for Yo and that's I'm probably speaking for a lot of people but you know he, he feels if, if, if he sees that effort if he sees your, your work your grafting um then he then he feels he can't ask any more of you. Sometimes a result goes against you. Sometimes um, you get it and you win, and and that everything's great. But he he kind of has that perspective, not just in rugby, but he, you know from where he's from in life. Around you know you can't you can't get too eaten up or or in a hole about a result. You just have to keep moving on and, and progress on to the next week. And you know that's how he lives his life. Um, it's not just how he lives rugby. So. Um, he's pretty good in that respect. Do you know what he did as a as a civilian job before rugby? Yeah, he was a policeman, wasn't he? Do you know what type riot of police? Do you know what type of type type of police? Riot police, wasn't it? Not quite, Tim. Do you know? So not not quite riot police. Not quite riot police. Along the same lines, horseback police. I don't know. <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's a horse. That's a big old horse. <laughs> no firearms instructor. No, I, I mean, there was. Uh, do, do you follow? Did you keep tabs on the uh, the Gloucester Twitter account? Because I want to. I want to recommend everybody goes and watches the video of him announcing the <laughs> the coaches here, have extended <laughs> extended the contract. I mean, I might have to get the audio of it uh, just to share it with people. But uh, oh, it was so good. I wanted him to shout because you just reminded me of that with saying he was a firearms policeman. I wanted him to no, shout. No, 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 no not firearms. Get to the get to the chopper. <laughs> not firearms instruct uh, policeman, an instructor Tim. Hi everyone, I've got some more great news this morning. Uh oh, coming guys. 
great for me this morning to announce that Rory Teague and Tim Taylor has decided to prolong their careers here at Gloucester and to extend their contracts. Uh, Rory, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And Timmy, congratulations. Oh, bless it. I love him. I love him. It's like a scene out of a sitcom, though. <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, well, com- no comment. Uh, so, obviously, yeah, so I, I, I guess yeah. that is uh, that, that is us wrapping up the Exeter game. Pretty nice. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, right, Exeter. right. Well, uh, it, it is a statement. Uh, I, I will make. Prove me wrong. Uh, Virami Vakatawa is currently the best player in in European rugby. Vakatawa. Uh, I think there's lots of good players in European rugby. He's probably one of the more effective, more flashier ones. It's a very po- politicians type answer, JB. Well, you know, I, I, there are lots of good players. Look, uh, he's it's not, true, mate. Yeah. How can you say he's the he, best? He's an outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an outside centre. I mean, you know, how influential can you be? Someone's got to win you the ball. I, actually, I thought Finn Russell was was probably better. I thought Finn, Finn Russell was awesome. Well, okay, F- like fine. I'll, I'll make a different statement then. Fair enough. How, how you put me in my place. Vakatao was unreal today. He was very good. Vakatao was a really good player. He's yeah. absolute class. <laughs> I think we can all. Yeah, he, he's outstanding. And he's, is he in the front front squad? Yes. So, I thought this was his last World Cup. I thought he retired. In fact, I'm, I'm sure he did. No, well, clearly not because he's in the squad. No. Yeah. How, how old is he? I don't know. So I thought he was like no. late twenties, about to retire. But no, completely wrong on that. He's got he's got a new passport again. Well, <laughs> so, sorry, late twenties is retirement age, is it? Uh, well, for the four year cycle, if you think about you know, where he will be for the next World, World Cup. Yeah, but he came in quite late, didn't he? Well, yeah, and that's kind of why I'm thinking that he might be even older than that. If we, see, this is where Phil would just already have come up with an answer. Yeah, sorry, I'm not Phil, but yeah, um, can you not Google it quickly? Yeah, I, I can. Mean, you got I've the got, clip up. I've really got it quickly. I did. He's 27. He's 27, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's JB. Fine. Oh, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. So uh, yeah, I, I know, I, I know it's cliche, but you know, you, you watch Raka this weekend, you watch um, Vaka Tower. And you think how how awesome it would be if they could play with like Radrada and uh, Yato and all the rest of it. And I just think it's time that World Rugby get a grip on this and make sure that all Fijians can play for France. Because... <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he was outstanding. He was a game breaking a game breaker today. Uh, Munster, I, I don't think they can really um, come away from Paris thinking that they let themselves down at all. The scoreline probably didn't reflect the the result and they, they they were brave i'm just I, i'm i'm personally on a very personal level i'm i'm gutted that munster couldn't get at least a couple of points out of that one at least a bonus mm. point because i'm working uh, at the munster game and um oh you know yeah it, it just means well, there's gonna be less still, people that are interested in the result can they still go through though yeah but, but very it, unlikely it requires saracens to gloucester lose. saints and glasgow to lose oh right so it's not just the permutations within the group is it no it's everything else. Yeah, it's very unlikely. I tell you what. I'm sorry, who are, who are Glasgow playing? Oh, and Saracens have to lose as well. Yes. Who, 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 are, who are Saracens playing? Rassing. No, Glasgow. Oh, Glasgow are playing Sale. Uh, Sale away. At the AJ Bell. So. They got the Enya fixture. Yeah, so, so they'll lose. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh. Yeah, it's not looking good, I guess. No. So just. Oh, oh, but you're right. Munster can't go through in third place, so they need Saracens to lose and. Gloucester and Saints and Glasgow so to lose. I, this is a weird thing to say about a team that um, did so well and beaten Saracens and whatnot. 
But I look at them, I don't think that they're that good. Or should I say, I wonder why they are so good. Because they're not overtly flashy. They're not playing nice, playing nice rugby. They don't have massive carriers. But what impressed me about them was how good they are at the breakdown. They don't seem to lose any breakdowns. And every time the, like, the ball is on, on the floor, they're so ferocious. Uh, I was actually putting out a tweet that I didn't think I'd saw them. I didn't think I saw them lose one of their own breakdowns. And literally, as I was about to press send... Chavancy. Yeah, someone came and stole the bloody breakdown. But they are awesome in that area. They're a very physical side, aren't they? Yeah. Like, just as as you said, uh, you know, you pick out certain individuals, obviously, that play for Ireland for years. But they are, I think, you know, they've still got that kind of the guys coming through, the Irish guys coming through, still have that kind of hunger and aggressive... Uh, attitude towards playing for months, so don't they? So Jack O'Donoghue, for example, looks like yeah. a, looks like a good young player. Yeah, really good player, really good player. And who's the other back row? Tommy, Tommy Tom, O'Donnell. Tommy O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also think he's he's handy as well. So agreed. Yeah, they've got some tough players, but they're obviously trying to evolve things slightly uh, because I mean they've been to more semi-finals than any other team. They've got one of the best pedigrees in Europe, but they've sort of they sort of got to a level, hit a ceiling that they couldn't get beyond. Mm. They've obviously brought in Larkham to try and evolve that, and it's going to take a little bit of time to yeah to to get that balance. The thing is, they've always they've got that good problem, haven't they? Which is they've always got the foundation of hard work, physicality, yada yada yada. Uh, so they're never going to go that they're never going to be too 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 far off. Whether a coach can do it though and take him to that next level, I don't know. I think you're going to need new players to reach that new height. Well, Carberry, they're missing at 10 for starters. Carberry. I mean, just, like, this sounds like a stupid question. Is he their starting 10 when everyone's fit? Yeah, of course he is. Why not Blandell? That's why they sent him down there. But why to... not Tyler Bl- Bl- Blandell? Well. I mean, if you're thinking about the best Munster team that you can put out. Then in Carberry's 10. Do you not have your best 15 with Carberry at 15 so you can get your best players on the field? We got Haley, and they're talking about Matt Gallagher as well. So Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. I'm oh. just saying. If, if you want all of your players. I like Mike Haley. Anyway, yeah, I think that there'll be a work in progress. They're not going to get to the knockouts for the first time in four years, which is disappointing for them. But so that, that on the face of it, they're going backwards. But I think they'll go backwards to be able to go forwards. Yeah, and also it's a bloody hard group. Yeah, too right. Um, uh, but Racing just um, frightening when they when they turn it on. Uh, it's happened. I don't know if this is happening more than often, but it, it, I'm, I'm sensing Ed that. It seems to be happening more where games are closer until the last twenty minutes, more than it than it used to. Things are staying tighter and then busting open in in the closing moments because it happened in your game uh, yesterday. It happened for Northampton. It happened in the Munster Racing game. But I just uh, my sense is that that's happening a little bit more. The last quarters of games are uh, games are sort of exploding into life a bit as people get tired. Yeah, yeah, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly why, um, because you know, fitness-wise, most teams are probably at similar levels. Um, so I, I just guess it, it comes down to style of play or, or, or game plan really, as to whether they can actually end up breaking a team down. Um, because, say for example, uh, a team that likes to play a lot, you know, like ourselves can get put under quite a lot of pressure, particularly for the kind of first 40, 50, 60 minutes, as you say. And then is it then that, you know, opportunities start to, to open up as gaps appear or, or players sit off a little bit um, 
and those things start to appear and we get more tries off the back of that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my guess on that is as much as it's, as it's physical conditioning, also mental conditioning, to concentrate fully for 80 minutes and not make any mistakes is, you know, it's a, pre- it, it's a pretty tough ask. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done, I think, on the mental side of the game. Um, you know, I still think there are tools that, that can be done and, and ways that you can train and scenarios that you can train as well that can that can help that. I, I also think your 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 kind of uh, USP and thesis as a coach, Ed, perhaps. Oh, what scenario training? <laughs> well, you you might it might be a fresh approach. You, you, you've identified something that you think that, that more work could be done. Well, in come. Yeah, yeah. No, no I, I agree. Obviously, uh, I won't I won't tell all um, <laughs> all of my thoughts and secrets, but it's certainly an area of the game that I think can can be improved. Uh, well, interestingly, there is an article by an NRL coach, and I looked into this because uh, I don't know if you've heard of uh, the mighty Didsbury Talk H Ed, but they're a very successful club <laughs> up, um, up in Manchester, uh, and we have interchanges. So the, my my question was, how do we manipulate inter, um, interchanges? Uh, because obviously it's, it's different to substitutions, but there are some common themes. Uh, so there's this NRL coach who breaks down the fact that there's more points scored in an NRL game in the last te- um, in in the last 10 minutes than at any other point, or something like that, okay? So, therefore, the theory goes, uh, do you want your best team on the field at the start of a game or your best team on the field at the end of a game? Uh, and I actually think that, you know, when you think about it like that, you want to be looking at your bench players a lot more, and maybe even starting off a weaker team and then finishing off with your stronger team, whether that be your Kyle Sinclairs for England or what, um, whatever it may be coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, it'd be difficult if you were having to chase 20, 30 points every week coming off the bench, isn't it? But, um, yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> you know, if, if, if for example, you, you know, you're putting your weaker team out there to start, but you, you've seen emphasis like Eddie Jones has talked about with his finishers, hasn't he? And, um, mm. You know, we talk about it a lot the the energy and the impact of the guys coming off the bench is just as important as those those guys starting the game off. So, you know, whether that's your stronger or your weaker players, I think you know whatever whatever you have coming off the bench, they have to be adding adding to the game. So, you know, we we do talk about that a lot, and and as I alluded to, Eddie Jones has, has talked about that impact from from the bench, and I think he's kind of changed his sides up to to influence that as well. Yeah, now just out of interest, what is your thesis for your for your for your sporting di- directorship masters? Or are you not allowed to say? It's no, no, I, I can say. Yeah, it's the profitability of English rugby. Ooh, that does sound yeah. exciting. Wow, that sounds very on trend. Like at Premiership level, or yes, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! So I don't think it will ever be profitable and more as a point i don't think it ever wants to be profitable hold on what university did you say quite often they put dissertations and stuff in the library it's salford we can just um, nip, nip up the no, road and go and get that one ah oh, it's a bit of a trek not gonna bother <laughs> um you, sorry Jeb, you said you don't think it wants to be profitable i don't think it, no not really no i don't because why I, is that because i i think i i subscribe to a theory given to me by my good friend phil Logan which is uh, highlighted in so- in Soconomics, which basically right. says that these rugby clubs, I mean, don't get me wrong, prof- profitability, if they reach it, is a nice aside. But actually, the point of having a rugby club is to grease the wheels of other businesses and other deals that you that, that you want to do. So if they had more money, they'd spend more money? Effectively, yeah. 
I think most clubs would like to at least break even. I think I don't think yeah. many people want to own a rugby club and lose a million plus but it depends, a year, do they? It depends how much they're earning from their ancillary business, uh, uh, ancillary businesses. So if you've got a business empire with billions, and then you go and but buy, we're, 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 this is speculation, though, isn't it? We don't know the. Yeah, or millions. We, we're talking about we're talking about a rugby business as as a business. Yes, you don't want to be a business losing money. No, you don't. Unless that business is sole point is to grease the wheels of, of other deals for your owner, in which case it doesn't really matter. It's like owning a nice car. <laughs> in that respect, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I was just looking at the, the bare facts of, you know, salary caps, uh, wages, you know, club turnover, those things, and and just looking, trying to look at, at the direction that the club it's the a funny club one, Ed, going to go. Um, salary cap is, is directly causing a limitation on, on your earnings in a career that, that could be over with, you know, one injury, one tackle. Is, is there any yeah. part of, from a player's perspective, I mean, obviously um, you understand why the framework's there, but it's kind of almost not in your interest in one respect. If, if, if a wealthy person wanted to pay you more money. Yeah, well, I guess it, it, it depends on how much the wealthy person wants to lose money, really, because you've got to look at how much the clubs are, are bringing in against what they're spending. And, in terms of, of wages, you've seen wages have increased a lot um, in rugby over the last kind of five or six years, which mm. has kind of squeezed, obviously, obviously the cap, which means there are kind of players in the middle that have probably not been able to get contracts, whereas they would have before. So, right. um, you know, how, how are we using the salary cap? You know, yeah. at the moment, a lot of players are, are getting paid, paid a lot more money than, than they would have a while ago and the, and the salary cap hasn't changed and it can't necessarily change because they can't afford it to. So mm. are players getting paid too much money? Is that, that's the question against the salary cap. Um, if that was raised, then obviously that wouldn't be the question. Yeah. It's a really tricky one because the, uh, the flip side to that and what I would argue ultimately is mm. rugby players are getting paid less well, it feels like you're getting paid less, but as the competition gets more competitive and more eyeballs come onto the onto the you know events of rugby, ultimately then everyone will get paid more. But it's a hard argument to make when you just want to you know pay your mortgage or whatnot. Yeah, I, ju- I just think um, a little bit like society, the the money goes to the top kind of the top percentage of of earners. There's probably bigger bigger gaps now in in um salaries in the squad yes you know, exactly which is the same in ever the same and, in and every the other single... owners aren't earning yeah as much so cap management um, as i say that's that's how you manage that 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 salary cap level isn't it and it's Agreed. it's difficult because you want to bring in, bring in quality players and they cost money now and far more than than they ever used to and if you're a club trying to turn around your fortunes you're adding another you know however much on top of that so did, did um, you, it's a real, really difficult kind of area. Did you see the Esportif? Uh, the Esportif. Yeah, you're the, yeah, yeah, you must have loved that. I got sent that. Yeah, the locks what being uh, locks being best paid on average. <laughs> did did, did, um, did you go and buy a hook at dinner out of uh, you know out of sympathy? <laughs> no, no, no. When when you got three kids to feed as well, it doesn't quite <laughs> quite add up. But um, no, I did see that. It's interesting. Obviously, it just adds to how how important locks are yeah oh yeah as we as we know <laughs> vital as we know exactly well, well i i think uh, um 
Lock is definitely a position where within clubs and within squads and uh, they are valued massively. But it's one of those positions that's not quite as uh, it's not quite as fashionable or trendy. You know, but you, you yeah, a lot know, of like hitting what, hitting rocks what I find and having about an end. locks yeah. these days is you know they're they're expected to do the work of a back row mm. um, and have the hands of a centre, but also have the the grunt of a of your front row of of that kind of type five. So to have both is is a difficult balance, isn't it? Finding those players that yeah, have it all. But I always think the best part about lock is you can make it into whatever you want, really. I mean, I guess right at the top of the game where you are, you've got to be all those things. But actually, the further down the game you get, you can be any one of those things and be particularly particularly useful. I mean, you can be a six foot lock. Yeah. In in level six, level seven, can't you? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a very flexible position. One, I'm just going to jump in with another game that, uh, again, I was just, oh God, there was another game where there was a late surge as well. The the Claremont uh, Ulster game. Uh, yeah. what, what I really liked, the bit I liked about this afterwards, I, I, I watched this game and thought Ulster um, gave a really good account of themselves. I think they'll be in the quarterfinals again. Um, they're showing real progress with Dan McFarland, an English coach who's been involved in Scotland. I think probably still unknown to most English people, but... It, it'll be interesting to see a couple of years down the line if there's a big in, in premiership job up I really think he should be considered but what I loved is I think most Ulster fans would have come away f- from that game thinking oh we gave a really good account of ourselves a shame we couldn't get a bonus point at the end but never mind Dan McFarlane was really really disappointed I loved the noises he was making he's like we, we let ourselves down there I, yeah and he's, he's right to feel like that because for large parts of that game Claremont were playing their equals. You'd argue in the first half that Ulster probably had the rub of the green, which not many teams go to um, the stadium, which I can't promote. Stade Marcel Michelin. Have you played there, Ed? I have a few times. It's something else, isn't it? I played there in a a quarterfinal and it was unbelievable, yeah. Quarterfinal, wow. What was the result of that one? I can't... Uh, Sorry. I can give you the score, but we lost. Yeah. We lost, yeah. Uh, It 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 was a decent game. Was that with Leicester? That was with Leicester, that, yeah. That was that... Jordan Jordan Crane scored. Did oh wow. A, did wow. a dodgy flop over the try line. So that was Leicester before they decided that the top four wasn't for them, traded you away, and then uh <laughs> Gloucester were top four ever since. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but um Ulster are a are a team that are that are building. Well how do you how do you assess them? They're, they're clearly on a journey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how good a how good is John Cooney? He's um, very good. He's talking of players that are the best in Europe right now. He might be up there, up there with that in terms of how he's playing. Yeah, um, right. I like the combination of him and Billy Burns. Obviously, someone I played with at Gloucester, who I think has has really kicked on since he's gone there. Um, but I, I just like I like the the way they play the game. I think uh, they look like a confident side that enjoy playing with each other they're obviously quite a tight unit as well um and people you know may have thought that Rory Best finishing up might have had a big impact but they seem to have have kicked on again without him um which is surprising considering he's a massive influence so I I really like the look of them I think it is difficult to go to Claremont and win so them to come come away and say they're disappointed shows that you know that there there are signs of where they're the direction they want to go as a club, so exactly it'd be and interesting it's, to follow them. It was really interesting to hear that you think that the the kind of soft skills of a coach uh, are becoming more and more valuable, and I think 
that's what I think Dan, Dan, Dan McFarlane brings. I, I just get the sense from the way the players talk about it. In fact, every single time I've chatted to a, an Ulster player before a game, um, you know, what doing an interview or a, or a man of the match interview, they always bring up, you know, Dan always tells us fight for every inch, and our, our mantra this year is this. Or and it's just it's really interesting. They seem to be totally well, it's well thought out. Yeah, and they seem to be totally totally in on his vision. Yeah, yeah, I think you can see that from the way they play. So that's kind of. Is, is there any other kind of games or moments that that, that jump out to you, Ed? Well, it's funny enough. Ed texted me just before um, the podcast and asked us to talk about Sale uh, Sale uh, La Rochelle. Was, was that's that right? right yeah, J- Jay, mate. <laughs> neither of these teams are going through. They don't deserve to be spoken no, about. I think it's important to the English l- listeners, not because there are y- y- some young lads on on display. Do you want to talk about it now? Okay, we'll we'll, we'll do, move do, on. Do you really want no? Like, yeah, that's but, fine. Do, I, just, I, I just wanted to say uh, I thought John, uh, James Williams uh, new twelve for, for sale for, for, from the academy looked very very good, uh, and also Tom Robot. Uh, had a run out and I think that's important because watch out for that name he's going to be very very good as as by by, by the way is uh, J- James Williams who he, he, he played particularly well as I mentioned before well we'll keep an eye out for them and when, yeah. and when they're up with uh, you know Ed's team and other teams that are still in with a hunt going into round six they'll get they'll get a bit more airtime. you have to earn it JB <laughs> exactly on. right exactly right your words not mine yeah so uh, one thing, right? So I stayed in the Hilton in Northampton, which I think is where. Here we go. Which I think is where, like, you would stay before a game at Saints. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There is there is no excuse. We're in the year twenty twenty. There is no excuse to have that powdered pepper on the breakfast table. <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. You, do you do you have to put up with things like this? And like, um, the one thing I will say in their credit is they don't have glasses the size of thimbles. Yeah. This is on par, isn't it? Where. This is on par to when we discovered that in the Love Island house they have instant coffee. What? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, there are some things in uh, you know tw- uh, twenty nineteen or twenty twenty uh, as we are now, which aren't which isn't acceptable. So yeah, I'm I'm with you completely. So it, it, is that you know it, is powdered pepper? Uh, or, or no, what is the best place to to kind of go? Go away because that, that would just that would ruin my whole weekend, Ed. If I had you know some nice poached eggs and I had powdered pepper to put on top of it. Mate, I'm just I'm just pleased to get a clean night's sleep when I go away before <laughs> a game. I'm not looking at the pepper. Do you do you prefer to travel the day before a game? Yeah, yeah, generally, yeah. Uh, in, including trips to Bath. Uh, we have done an overnight at Bath. Have you yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why? Just because? Was that a special occasion? A big game? Like more well, bigger than no, normal? No, I, no. You know, I, people people have different views when they. For, for me, uh, you know, I, I kind of like to switch on fairly early. So when, once I get to the hotel, I can obviously relax. And then once you wake up in the morning, your kind of mind's on it because you're in a hotel with the team and you're kind of onto your job, aren't you? So it's mm. a very serious answer. What, but um, what do you do? That's the just the way of, I find it. What? what do, oh, this is a serious, serious question, though, because obviously it's a long time before waking up in the well, place, especially if it's right? an evening game. Yeah, what what on earth do you do? Um, uh, well, all day. Cards. Well, a bit bit something you could see the physio, you know, stretch, bit of mobility, have a chat with a few guys. You might talk about the game. You, you know, do a few bits like play cards, like, as you say. Try and get an afternoon kip in. Just those bit, you know. But you you kind of s- slowly bringing yourself into. Into the day, into preparing for a game. So, so uh, I interviewed um, Ian Bolshaw, right? And yeah. he used to do this with with beer. It's just come into my mind now. 
But the problem was, in France, they have kickoffs like stupid times, don't they? Like nine o'clock, uh, uh, nine o'clock kickoffs. So the team yes. were in these um, in these hotels, and then they were doing it for home games too. They yeah. would go to the go to, go to the hotel at like nine a.m. or wake up and then do do, do the hotel thing. But they're in the hotel for twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. What you mean for the? <laughs> Of the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, they wake up, and by the time that they played, they, you know, they played every, like every game of cards possible. They were they were massively like over caffeinated, just ready to go. But, no. I, I do, the French teams do do it differently, don't they? Like you say, I think before every game they're in a hotel, at home or away. So yeah, I'd, I'm not sure I'd, I'd fancy that for a for a home game. But I, I, coffee is a, is an important one, and one thing I'm going to say is I I love uh, I, I really like London Irish as a club. I've got a lot of time for them and. I got a lovely welcome when I went to Hazelwood to do some filming bits and bobs. But they're, they're Sunbury, you mean? Hazelwood in Sunbury, yeah. It's the Hazelwood ah, complex. Right, yeah, yeah. But their coffee game is awful. They, is it? they didn't have any machine or no, what, there was no the, coffee beans. In the it was, facility? It was only, inf- it was only uh, instant in the facility itself. See, in sale. Because yeah, but they, aren't they just around the corner from somewhere with a. They have like a cost or. No, or, no not don't really. They have a gym around the corner or something that's. No, 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 it's it's no, it's not. It's there's there's no coffee shops like no. right nearby. So it's just it's it's a it's a poor coffee situation. So at sale, uh, they had Crouch Grind coffee there um, because of Dave Seymour. So that largely solved solved the problem. But if it wasn't for him, they'd they'd be on instant coffee too. Well, we're we're lucky. We, I don't know if you've heard of extract coffee. No, um, uh, extract. But- extract coffee yeah well look them up but um lee who who uh, runs that uh, supplies us with with beans he's also supplied us with a a proper commercial coffee machine oh, as nice. well um that does the full job for us so uh yeah we're lucky that we've got lee on board he's a big big gloucester fan and and also happens to run a, a decent coffee business as well so it's coffee with the boys is important it is it's vital we're, yeah we've all become coffee snobs now haven't we even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Uh, right, so when we look ahead to next week's fixtures, um, next weekend, it's weird that, that there is something on every single Champions Cup match. Which is that really? Because it feels like the opposite to this weekend when there's only a handful which really mattered. Well, firstly, there's no there's no Friday night Champions Cup match. I think there's some Challenge Cup games oh. that will take the take the vo- uh, fill the gap there. But in Pool One, you've got uh, Benetton Leinster. Obviously, Leinster are battling for a, a top seed mm-hmm. in that one. Uh, the other game being Leon v Northampton. If Northampton win away, they're putting themselves in with a great shout of getting one of the the, the runners up spots. I don't think they'll win away. I really don't. You just have you just got your your coffins. I mean, Leon have no, got a proud home record. Yeah, and that's why because they don't always show up well in Europe, but they do tend to show up fairly well at home. Is Problem it, is, like Leon are quite high in the top fourteen, and they've got a big game against Toulon. I think it's second v third. 
the I, following week. I have a feeling, just a feeling, that they're going to put out a pretty strong team and they're going to try and do Northampton at home for the principal. It is a feeling. Say I hi mean, Say hi to Fernsey. I, I don't know. You... <laughs> I don't know, but I, that's my feeling. <laughs> okay. Well, so you think it's going to be a, a I think Leon will win that, mm. and I think it's going to ruin everyone's party, which is a shame because I not, really like Northampton. N- not Ed's party. Not Ed's party, of course. No. In, in pool two, we've got... I, I think that one's a tough one to call, the, the, the Leon v... Saints, I agree that the really proud home record. Mm. Northampton, it was it. Did you see Chris Boyd after the game? He no, said, not. He said, um, I want to apologize to all the fans. They've just got a five, they've just got six tries and, and got the five points. He said, That was shocking, that was dis- that was awful. Benetton are good, dreadful. Benetton, oh, actually, not a bad team. I know Saints were not, were not good, but mm. again, late surge. Well, they're winning when they're not playing well, and that's always a good sign. Isn't it? Uh, Pool two, you've got Exeter hosting La Rochelle. So you think Exeter are going to get the four or five points and get a home quarter final? I'd be amazed if they didn't. Stunned. And Glasgow are away at sale and needing to win to have any chance of getting through to the knockouts. Don't know how that will go, is the answer. I think Glasgow will probably. I mean, Sale have got nothing to play for. No, exactly. So, yeah. What team will they put out? Being being as there are Premiership games the following week, um, so I can see Glasgow winning that one. Uh, but pool three, you've got Ulster hosting Bath, so Ulster will get a knockout spot. Claremont are away to Quinns, and you'd expect them to probably sneak a win against Quinns. Um, yes, very <laughs> much so. And so both will go through, leading on to Sunday when it gets really interesting. So. You've got Munster hosting Ospreys. Munster will get the four or five points. You, yep. you would imagine that would be the 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 the, the, the shortest odds. Mm-hmm. And then Saracen play Racing, which is the the real tasty one of the weekend. Where, where will that one be won and lost? Do you think, Ed? Oh, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because Racing can score a try out of anything. Um, where will that be won and lost? Probably in the back line, I'd say, isn't it? With the the X Factor mm. players that Racing have got, can they undo Saris and and their and their defence really, mm. uh, and try and get the try? I think it'll be fairly even up front. I think Saris always show up well at, up front. I think Racing are, are strong there too. Um, so it's whether they can get get those X Factor guys into the game and score some points down there. But you know you can. Not not that everyone uses it, but you can take the plastic pitch out of it, can't you? Because it's two guys that play on yeah. on plastic pitches, so they won't be worried about that. And they've got Camille um, Shat. A... Oh my God, the, the, oh, that that yeah, guy. He's a hell of a player. Have you played against him? Yeah, I have. Yeah, hell what? of a player. Yeah, yeah. Now, massive fan. Just on that, have I got this wrong? Did you beat Saracens last year? Right. Uh, at home, we did. Yeah. Yeah. What What is the difference when they just go? Full out. Why? Why? Why is it that they can? Why is it that they can just turn it on in in the dramatic style that they, that they do? I think uh, going back to your point about that that last twenty minutes, you've seen many games. I think where teams have have led at half time or or been you kind of have parity with them at half time, mm. but they just kick on that last twenty and just kind of seem to tear teams apart, don't they? But um, I think with their with their starting team, obviously it comes down. You know, to, you got to look at the quality of the players first. Yeah, you know, it's very very strong squad, and then I I just think they're so clear and set on how they how they play the game, how to react to certain things, um, the confidence having won won trophies and won many matches over the year season 
sees them through. They don't have many moments of doubt. No, because um, I, I was absolutely convinced that you were going to beat them in the semi-final last year. Absolutely convinced. And I think just, we just we just, we just struggled a little bit to adapt. Mm. Um, they put a lot of pressure on us, uh, and they you know targeted certain players, and and that was their plan, and and it worked for them. And we we probably just struggled to adapt to that. You are right about what you said. Now you've met, now you've highlighted it about the last twenty minutes. Think about their wins against Exeter in the in in the prem final. That was an absolute demolition. Last twenty, and also would you believe it, um, Leinster? Yeah, so, same as them too. So yeah. I guess that's it. Uh, the they're like a, they're like a kind of um, they play they play like a boa constrictor kills. It's just like um, we'll just yeah we'll we'll we'll, yeah. we'll just squeeze you tightly and then before you know it, yeah they play like yeah, a team massively over the salary cap. That's that's irrelevant in Europe because uh, Rass- exactly right. Rassing's Rassing's wage wages will be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> eye watering as well, but you've got F- uh, Finn Russell against Owen Farrell. I, I love that contrast, by the way. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. The the the, the build ups. How right. how do you think? Uh, this is semi serious. How do you think Finn Russell avoids weight training? And do you actually think that he does? <laughs> he, he can't look like that. Is it you asking me? Uh, well, both like both of you. actually, yeah, Ed, because uh, I assume your fly halves work out. I mean, you can't not work out in a rugby club, right? It tends, you know, they run the game. They sit in the middle of the park, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, they're also vain. You know, you'd have thought he'd go in there and do some arm curls or something. Johnny well, Sexton. Really, Look at Johnny Sexton. Really well, he was world player of the year. Andy Goode's the anomaly, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you had uh, no, Johnny they're, Sexton they're was the world player of the year, and um, yeah, Johnny he, Sexton. He's obviously not... not bothered about it either. Don't don't need to in that position. Yeah, but look at Dan Carter. Oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, you remember, the, oh, there we go. I can, I can hear everything again. The headphones stopped working. Or, or Wilkinson back in the day. They're in great shape. I mean, I just think it's, they must be really committed to not working out, to not work out in, in a rugby club environment. <sighs> what, what was it? No, but, uh, maybe they prioritise playing the game. Then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 and I was just thinking, the, great, the greatest tens... A never, a never stacked, a never stacked. Wilkinson and Carter were massively stacked. Carter wasn't stacked. Oh, c- come off it! No, he you wasn't. Google Dan Carter now, and you tell me that that man is <laughs> that, that, that man is not stacked. Topless he, Dan Carter. No. He is one of the great. He is <laughs> the greatest ten. All right, to be continued. Again, um, right. Good genetics, JB. All right, maybe, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Quick, fast metabolism. Fast twitch muscle fibers, uh, and uh, then then for the final game of the final game of the weekend, the final round of games is in is in Gloucesterpool. Are you just looking at? Yeah, he's that's JB just showed me a picture. He's pretty stacked. He's I wouldn't say stacked. He's just got low low body fat. Yeah, he's he's got good definition. He looks all right. He'd be he'd be a better bodybuilder um, (laughs) than a powerlifter. Okay, right. Uh, Sorry, not. Not body, but oh, whatever. 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 I, I'm losing the will to live now. Uh, and five, yeah, Paul five is the final one. If at, by this point there is still, um, well, Gloucester will definitely still have a chance to get through at this point, regardless. But um, they'll know what they need to do. Would you think that could swing anything in your favour, Ed? W- knowing what the state of play is before you play. Not really, because I think we we have to go over there and win, don't we? Well, so potentially you 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 might be able to get through with bonus points. I mean, it's 
that's highly unlikely, isn't it? It, I, it got, is. It is. You've got to go and win the game. So yeah. I think it's pretty black and white. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble. No, yeah. but uh, yeah, go, going to all, all it is, right? Simple as they said, beat the four-time champions in their own own patch. <laughs> Simple, right? Done. Move on. And then you get a game away at the four-time champions Leinster on their patch. Beat them. Easy. Yeah. Well, then, then they inherit Leinster's seed. No, that doesn't happen anymore. Oh, does it not? No. Th- th- but then you're in the semi-finals of Europe. So, you know, what's the challenge, Ed? You're two games away, Ed. What's, what's the incentive, boys? You know? Yeah. Show some ambition. That's the way go, to look go, at go, it. Go and beat Toulouse and then Leinster. Go on. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm not sure I'll have much impact sitting on the sofa, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll pass the message on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, how obviously, what what really impressed me about uh, Lewis Rees Summit in, in his post match chat? I just said, you know, come on. So, how uh, you know how much you relish in the op- the opportunity to go and play that? He went, oh yeah, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready to go and beat Toulouse. Yeah, I, I love that fearlessness of youth. It's cool, isn't yeah. it? Like, if you offered him yeah. a game on Wednesday with his with his schoolmates, he'd probably take it because he just wants to play. Like, yeah, those those plus, are the days. Yeah, plus he, he's he's fresh, isn't he? Eighteen, nineteen. I, I bet he feels great by by Monday after playing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, most yeah. of us need about five days recovery. So, yeah, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, Cheslin Cheslin Colby looked all right on the telly. I'm looking forward to playing him. Yeah, it should be good. <laughs> It'd be nice to meet him. <laughs> Actually, what a test! For, he, he probably will be if he if 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 he starts, he'll be opposite Colby. Could yeah, that'd be, be huge. That'd well, be a huge test. It'd be huge. For, do you know who I think would be a bigger test for him? Uje, because he's got every dirty trick possible, and he's just, he's he's hell of a player too. Like he's probably more. I mean, Colby does all the nice snazzy, Wiley. yeah, snazzy jumpy things, right? But you know, Uje's the man still. Yeah, he's he's always been class, hasn't he? The he way he moves, brilliant. floats around the pitch. And weirdly, I, I don't know. I, well, I'll say it, uh, I'll say it anyway. I was talking to some of the American lads after the World Cup, or sorry, we caught uh, caught, caught caught up with them in the in the airport, and they uh, weirdly they said he he's massive, which is is not the feedback that I thought 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 that thought that of, I'd get. So, yeah. Of Cheslin Colby. No, um, of Uge. Of Uge. He's, he's not that big, but no, apparently, apparently he's quite, quite, a, quite a physical presence in real life. Maybe it means something else in American. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe. maybe. You know, yeah, it wasn't the first thing which I thought. He's a massive player. Means he's a great player. Yeah, that must be it. He's good on a night out, <laughs> mind you. Massive player, <laughs> player. <laughs> what a massive player! Huge player. Yeah. Well, that that'll be a a, a proper test. What? Um, I mean, obviously, the bookies are going to have Toulouse as heavy favourites for that one, Ed. Right. But in a way, that means does that just mean shackles are off in a way? Let's give it a crack. I mean, with the with, with <laughs> yeah, big... but these are things we don't think about. You know, you, you say like the bookies have them as favourites. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're you're insinuating I mean, that they're checking the odds got, on their own we, games. We don't check the <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get the odds. Oh. <laughs> don't know about this one. Hey, not, not no, the no, no, okay, okay. So let me put that in a different way. Toulouse have the, the the players and the pedigree that you would you would have to respect as a serious serious team. Uh, well, yeah, they're, they, you know they're a team that can win the, the league and can win Europe. Yes, you know, they're that, yeah, they're they're very good. Yeah, it's a massive yeah, it's a massive challenge. You know, but 
Um, Massive opportunity. You've got, just, you've got to go out there and play, haven't you? You've got to go out there. You've got nothing, nothing to be to be worried about. There's, you know, nothing to fear. Mm. Um, you just put it out there, see where we get to. I think we've got we've got the players that can produce a bit of magic, score some tries. Yeah, and this you know, I think all... we should take pride in our in our defence, uh, as I stated earlier about our our record in the league at the moment. So, you know, there's nothing that we should be doubting or or worried about. We we respect them. I'll tell, so, tell you what it is, Ed. It's uh, what I what I always forget is I remember when I was coming through. It wasn't just my brother was a good player. I was actually better than him when we were when we were younger. But um, but I you're that bloke in the pub. Yeah, exactly. I'm that bloke in the pub. <laughs> I used to, when I got to a bigger stage. And a bigger level, right? I, I went inside myself. I, I couldn't. I, I didn't. I, I couldn't handle it. I. But I remember when I used to chat to Nick before he had his, you know, the biggest moment of his career at that point. He'd be like, I can't, yeah. "I'm abs. I can't wait for this." He'd just. He'd just be. Uh, he'd just be. But he'd just be really looking forward to it and really excited. That's interesting. I think you know, probably those those guys. You find them less and less at uh, at the top level. Um, because you know it'd be pretty difficult to to have a successful rugby career if you couldn't play. Yeah. You know, at, at the top in in stadiums at biggest level. Yeah, they're obviously more important games as as you're as you're saying. What? But um, I think generally, you know, uh, once you've got a bit of experience of those things, and then the um, they all become one. Who is the most confident player that you've ever met, justified or not? Most confident player. Yeah. Someone, yeah, someone, yeah, someone that just backs himself, even when maybe he shouldn't be back, be, be, be backing himself. Uh, the, the most confident player I can think of, and rightly so, would be like Jordan Murphy. I'd say. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of just the way it, you know, his kind of presence, the way he talked, and then obviously he was a class player. So yeah, um, I, I, he springs to mind. I remember being in the change room and. You know, he'd, he'd lead us out and thinking, you know, I'm glad he's on our side. That kind of, that kind of thing. So yeah, he's the first one that springs to mind. Um, otherwise, I'm probably, to be honest, I'm I'm so in my own head, thinking about the game. I'm not taking a great deal of notice mm. of of everyone else in terms of, you know, some some guys are always you hear the retching in the toilets. Like Aki, <laughs> Mark oh, really? Atkinson's one of those. He's a retcher. Yeah, yeah. He always has a retch before a game. Yeah. I, I think that's weird. See, I, I can't imagine doing that. But I can't imagine. No, but again, either. again, you've just said something. So again, oh, yeah. when I was saying that I used to be overawed by a, you know, a, a, a big stage, I used to, I used to, spook me, um, and I and I couldn't handle it, and that's yeah. why I never went on to, a, you know, beyond the level I got to. Um, but exactly the same. The fact that me and JB are the kind of guys that are interested in what everyone else is doing is the reason we're sat here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, look, I, I have to have a certain level of awareness, particularly, you know, if I'm captain to the side, you, you, you want to kind of get, look some people in the eye a, a bit around the changing room, obviously. Um, but it's, it's rare I'm looking at someone and going, not sure, you know. Hmm. Interesting. Do, do you know? I've just realised one thing before we before we go. I've just realised we kept you from watching Love Island, which I imagine you're all over. Got it recorded? No, yeah. It's more. Um, I want to. I want to watch the final episode of um, what's it? Don't fuck with cats on on Netflix. That's really good. That. that have I you seen it, JB? No, I've got you. A, I've got a weird story about this. So, 
So I, I've seen the first episode. Is it basically that people are trying to hunt down people that mess with cats? It's it's um, no. no no. It starts starts off. It starts out like that. It's it's, it's there's an internet video. How on? Is, there's an internet video of someone doing thing? some. Yes, it's a real thing. Okay, yeah. There's an internet video of of this uh, guy bit doing some pretty heinous things yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to cats in a video, and these people that are cat lovers start this little community trying to become super sleuths and it goes way beyond well it goes way beyond yeah. what i imagined it would go to really it's only three episodes yeah. but it's uh so i started watching it and i sort of semi-watched it so i might go back and watch it tonight then but give it a go yeah the reason i say that is because i have something very very similar myself actually so I've hunted. <laughs> this is really weird. I've hunted two. Need to clear up what you, what that is. Uh, well, uh, from what I've seen, I have. Um, you hunted... don't. You don't own a any vacuum pack bag. <laughs> no, no, I don't own no. like a, a yellow vacuum cleaner. But I've hunted two internet trolls, basically to uh, to to their streets. One in into a street in America uh, in a town called Wellington. And another one... What were they doing? Glossop. So weirdly... They didn't just call you a bellend or anything. No, the first one was... Do you remember there was a spate? Oh, this, this, is, this is quite deep and serious now. But there was a... Do you remember the London Bridge attack? Well, before that, we had the attack on Manchester, right? And one of the things which happened is people started posting these fake pictures or fake stories like, my son is missing... Um, Please contact the Holiday Inn. They all say that you know. Do, do, do you the ones? Do you know the ones yeah, that I mean? Yeah, so during the yeah. Lon- during the London Bridge attack, someone posted this thing like, "This is my little brother. Have you seen him? Please retweet this." So um, I went on his Twitter profile because it's just su- such outrageous behaviour. And literally, just by doing what they were doing on the show, you could you know, find out a picture of this and this is there, and you find him on Google Maps. Anyway, I located him to one street in Wellington, Wisconsin. And the other one, yeah, basically just called me a bellend. So I uh, found, found them in found, found them in What Glossop. did you do once you found out that information? Well, did you then the problem message is, them back? Yeah, the problem is with that one, right, is you get so close but you can't actually locate the actual door. So if you like, if you could sort of, if you knew exactly who they were, I would happily have sent that tweet over to their employer because I think it, it, it's so awful. Yeah, but you need to watch that show and do a little bit more cross-referencing. Get, you know, oh, check, yeah, check out. I, no, the, the one in America, right? I was phoning, I, I was emailing re- real estate agents because he'd taken pictures of certain certain areas and there's a real estate thing. So it's like, well, where, well, where is that? Emailed the guy. The guy e- emailed me back. Like, it was, it was pretty in-depth. And then the next one, I, oh, it, it goes on and on and on. But I've got a little message on my phone, which will get in contact with me every every three months, I think. So I'll just go through his history again and, and, until I finally finally find him in Glossop. Fair play. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But, so you, you're not you're not going for the whole Love Island thing, Ed? Uh, no, no summer series only. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm with yeah. you, Ed. I'm with you. I'm not interested in Winter Love Island. There's, there's no, no. point in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not, not having it. Well, but will it be the talk of the dressing room tomorrow? No, only summer. Only no, summer Love Islanders. No, I'm, I'm interested to speak to Jamal. Now you mentioned he doesn't like rugby, so I'm just going to pick his brains a little bit about that. Does yeah, he talk about? My, does my he talk about his wrestling career much? Um, no, not really. I mean. It, we we bring it up more than he likes yeah, to bring it up. Mm. It's one of those ones, you know. He likes cars and gaming. He probably wishes we didn't oh. know about it. Gaming, he's got a Twitch channel, hasn't he? He does yeah. a lot. He does a lot cars, of gaming. Gaming, politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that as well. Current affairs. 
Those are the things that he likes. Yeah, I like this. Sport, sport is a distant, distant eighth. I might go a Jamal Grower. Like it'll be like one of those wrestling it... and Twitch. But no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed, listen. Uh, I'll just tell everyone to go and listen to the Podding Shed with uh, Aki and Slates. It's uh, thank it's you. A, it's a hoop. Are you going to have Mark on? We've, Somebody uh, we've, would be far uh, we've, funnier. We've had Mark. He, he yeah. is. A, you know, I, I'm happy to admit he is far funnier than me. Oh, I mean, we're happy to admit that too. Uh, that we've yeah. Got, got oh, I'm, glad, well. I'm glad we're on, on the same page. <laughs> no, uh, Mark's already Mark's already uh, filled in once, I think. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, that to himself. He oh, yeah, yeah. He said yeah, he yeah. explicitly told us not to tell. So, yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. I'll bring we, that one up. We wanted to give him his re- his recovery day, whereas um, we wanted to rescue oh, and, from. And, uh, and don't forget the remarkably talented uh, uh, Sam Roberts too. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's just become loving. Yeah, we like we don't like to give Sam too much credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did he? Did he prove himself? He, he proved himself to you, didn't he? When uh, when there was oh no, was it no? It wasn't. I'm thinking of someone else. Don't worry. Forget me. Don't worry. I was thinking <laughs> well, of the whole dimes well, no, at, at Gloucester thing, now. and I was thinking of the, the dimes Kings home thing. The oh yeah, that wasn't Sam. Was, was that it? Sam? That wasn't Sam. No, no that's Sam Who Peters. Sam Peters. That Sam was Peters. it. Sam Peters. That was it. Yeah. yeah anyway. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I remember that. It was yeah. kind of good because. We'd, we'd been battered that day, haven't we, by sale? Uh, and uh, so. all the stories were about him and Sam Peters having, a, having an argument in the it, corridor. It so is literally... I was quite pleased with that. It is one of the world's most ridiculous arguments ever. I can uh, imagine. I, mean, to, I could imagine. I mean, I, I'm not going to go into it now. It's water under the bridge, but it is ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> so, like, if Gloucester can pull off a famous victory next weekend, you, you could be back and available come quarter-final time. I could be, yeah, yeah, I could be. What what dates are the quarters again? Are they twenty third? It's March. No, it's after. March? It's yeah, twenty. Yeah, Something like that. towards the end of March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I'm I'm hoping to be back middle of Feb, but you never you never know with metatarsals. So, um, you know, you just got to play it by ear. So it could be could be a few weeks, could be less. Yeah. Well, uh, well. Best luck with your recovery, mate. And hopefully, we Thanks, we, we will be seeing you on a rugby pitch sooner rather than later. Brilliant. Thanks for having me on, guys. Nice one, Ed. Speak soon, buddy. Cheers. Take it easy. Uh, I think I'm going to edit out my thing about don't, 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 don't fuck with cats. Yeah, okay. Um, That's fine. Ed's still there, by the way. He can still hear us. I've, I've pulled that down. So if you can still hear us, I'm, I'm we're turning you off now, Ed, in a bit. See you. Oh, oh. I've said it that way as well. That's fine. Yeah, because it makes you sound like an absolute psychopath. Uh, mate, it's fine. Right, let's do a proper exit. What a thoroughly nice thigh-slapping chap yeah, Ed we, Slater is. We didn't get too much rugby, though, did we? <laughs> no. <laughs> too much of the permutations of the ins and outs of the league and whatnot. Yeah, and if you are still listening, then... Well done, you. Well done, and can I ap- apologise to... Well, I know we have fans of Leinster. I didn't see the game. Um, and so I I don't know anything about the game. Yeah, it's, and I also apologise. We should have spoke more about sale, but we can do that ne- next week. <laughs> right, thank you for listening. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Um, he's at JB Moore. I'm at Cocker. And uh, yeah, enjoy your week. Tell your mates, and we'll be back for the final round of pool matches in the Champions Cup next week. Right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.